the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show on 96.5 FM, The Answer. Delighted to have you with us this afternoon on a beautiful, beautiful day in our hearts, if not in the skies. And uh, no, you're right. Dave's not here. It's Carl Kimball sitting in for Dave. And I'm just being delighted to be heard throughout my hometown and surrounding communities and hope that you'll have a great time this afternoon with us here. We're going to continue the Dave Ellswick tradition. I know that Dave's show is usually about the important topics of the day and news, both local and national, important earth-shaking things. And we're going to try to talk a little bit about a whole bunch of that stuff and we'll invite you to call and Hey, since it's Friday afternoon, you don't have to be on topic. If you'd like to call in and just give us your two bits worth on anything that's going on, we invite your calls on the Dave Ellswick Show this afternoon. If you don't know it already, our number is 823-0965. That's 823-0965. And we'd love for you to call in and add your conversation to the answer community this afternoon. Well, it's not going to be all serious stuff. And I tell you, I wanted to have a little sunshine in my heart, even though I was a little disappointed coming in. I drove the convertible today because they said mostly sunny with a little bit of clouds. And I said, oh, man, if it's mostly sunny, I'll get in at least a little dashing around with the wind and what little hair I got left. And sure enough, you know, I got in the car and it was just gloomy and, and dark looking outside. But that's okay. I made it here in one piece. That doesn't always happen. I was on my way down here last August to to be on Dave's show, and someone turned left right in front of me and took me out, totaled my car, broke my knee, sent me to the hospital. So at least today I made it in. Otherwise, Zach would be doing the show by his lonesome self. And yeah, that might be fun for you guys, but I'm sure it'd be a drag for Zach to have to be the engineer and, and to be the voice radio, uh, on the radio as well. So thanks to Zach for engineering us. We're going to see what we can do to entertain you a little this afternoon and also open things up to the topics of the day. Before we get started on that real serious stuff, though, I want to throw in just a little good humor every once in a while today to lighten up the mood because, shoot, it's Friday afternoon. We want to have a good time. We want to put all this serious, deathly, uh, dire economic and political news behind us and go out and have a little fun over the weekend. So I'm going to throw in a little bit from one of my favorite books, Plato and a Platypus Walk into a Bar. Understanding Philosophy Through Jokes by Thomas Cathcart and Daniel Klein. And uh, here's their opening gag. It's Dimitri and Tasso. Uh, how appropriate. We've got a couple of Greeks, you know, since they invented modern philosophy. And Dimitri says, if Atlas holds up the world, what holds up Atlas? Tasso says, Atlas stands on the back of a turtle. Dimitri says, what does the turtle stand on? Tasso says, another turtle. Dimitri says, and what does that turtle stand on? And Tasso says, my dear Dimitri, it's turtles all the way down. Okay, think on that, because we may come back to it. It gets too, too deep. As we think about the news of the day, we'll just have to remind ourselves it's turtles all the way down. 
Now, you probably decided I'm an old guy, and I'm about Dave's age. Maybe you're too older. And and, and I got to know Dave uh, back, I guess it was about 18 years ago here within a month or two. When Dave first came to town, he replaced one of the most liberal talk show hosts that we had in Little Rock, a real fine guy. He was a friend of mine. I liked him, too. And he was a good guy and a good talk show host, but he was as liberal as they come. He was an ACLU board member and everything. And, and Dave comes in and replaces him, and I, he may have been one of the first. At least he was the first libertarian. He came on, and he, he was something that we very seldom see. He was a Christian pro-life libertarian. Now, I'm a Christian pro-life libertarian, and we're rare enough birds that I guess that I was naturally attracted to Dave, and and we got to be friends. We worked on Harry Brown's presidential campaign in 2000 and worked on Axe the Food Tax in 2001 and 2002 and worked on various charitable endeavors since. And, and of course, uh, good old Dave, he introduced me to – about three or four of my best friends in Little Rock that I've had in recent years, including good old Joe from Joe's Garage. What a fantastic guy to know he is. And so thanks a lot to Dave for all that. And, uh, you know, it was it was strange having a libertarian in town, but it was fun. Now, Dave, over the years, has moved a little more Republican. I hadn't followed him quite in that direction because although I like some Republicans, those guys, as a general rule, are way too far left for me. So... Uh, I let Dave take the Republican side of things. He, he and I, though, have agreed on almost everything. So you're not going to see that much of a different point of view from Dave today. I think that in the 18 years that I've known him and been listening to him on the radio, I think the only thing that Dave and I have ever really disagreed about was the lottery. And he was for it and I was against it. And I'd like to say that that events over the last few years have shown that I was right and he was wrong. But it's Dave's show, so I'm not going to beat him up over that. It's all water under the bridge now. But I do have something I want to bring to your attention here in the first half hour that I think is, is interesting and valuable. And and it sort of ties in with the philosophy of the show because this is a, a column by the great Walter E. Williams. And, and, yeah, it's in the newspaper, and I'm an old guy who still reads his news off of dead trees. Boy, that makes me a fossil these days, I know. But, you know, the guys that write newspapers, they actually research their topics. They have so much more in-depth research. When you get your news uh, off of the Internet or you get your news off of the radio, I mean, you listen to not just this one but practically any station in town that has a news program. When they do the news, the news guys are relying on research that's been done by the newspapers for the news that they're bringing up. Now, if you're really opposed to killing trees or you're just one of these modern high-tech guys, you can read newspapers online. My son, I don't think, ever reads a dead tree newspaper, but he reads The Economist of London and and The Times and all these highbrow things that you can can get online versions of. You can even get our local Democrat Gazette online, but I kind of like holding it in my hand when I'm reading it. And uh, there was a column just uh, yesterday, March 22nd, by the great Walter E. Williams, and like Dave and myself, philosophically, Dr. Williams is a libertarian, and you can probably tell that if you've read any of his columns. He had one that I thought struck very much to the heart of a lot of the problems that we're having in life, not just any one problem, but just about all the problems that we're having. 
is immoral behavior changes, excuse me, immoral behavioral changes. It starts out this way. One of the unavoidable tragedies of youth is the temptation to think that what is seen today has always been. Nowhere is this more noticeable than in our responses to the recent Parkland, Florida massacre. Part of the responses to those murders are calls to raise the age to purchase a gun and to have more thorough background checks, to make gun purchases more difficult. That's a vision that sees easy gun availability as the problem. Thus, the solution is to reduce that availability. The vision that sees easy availability as the problem ignores the fact of U.S. history that guns were far more available yesteryear. With truly easy gun availability, there was nowhere near the gun mayhem and murder that we see today. I'm tempted to ask those who believe that guns are today's problem whether they think that guns were nicer yesteryear. What about the calls for bans on the AR-15 so-called assault rifles? It turns out that according to 2016 FBI statistics, rifles accounted for 368 of the 17,250 homicides in the U.S. that year. That means that restrictions on the purchase of rifles would do little or nothing for the homicide rate. Leaders of the gun control movement know this. Their calls for more restrictive gun laws are part of a larger strategy to outlaw gun ownership. Gun ownership is not our problem. Our problem is a widespread decline in moral values that has nothing to do with guns. That decline includes disrespect for those in authority, disrespect for oneself, little accountability for antisocial behavior, and a scuttling of religious teachings that reinforced moral values. Let us examine the elements of this decline. If any of our great-grandparents or grandparents who passed away before 1960 were to return, they would not believe the kind of personal behavior all too common today. They wouldn't believe that youngsters could get away with cursing and assaulting teachers. They wouldn't believe that some school districts, such as Philadelphia's, employ more than 400 school police officers. During my primary and secondary schooling from 1942 to 1954, the only time one saw a police officer in school was during an assembly period where we had to listen to a boring lecture on safety. Our ancestors also wouldn't believe that we're now debating whether teachers should be armed. There are other forms of behavior that would have been deemed grossly immoral yesteryear. There are companies such as National Dutt Relief, Curadet, and Lending Tree, which advertise that they will help you to avoid paying all the money you owe. So after you and a seller agree to terms of a sale, If you fail to live up to your half of the bargain, there are companies that will assist you in ripping off the seller. There are companies that counsel senior citizens on how to shelter their assets from nursing home care costs. For example, a surviving spouse may own a completely paid-for home that's worth $500,000. The costs of nursing home care might run $50,000 a year. 
By selling her house, she could pay the nursing home costs, but her children wouldn't inherit the house. There are firms that come in to shelter her assets so that she can bequeath her home to her heirs and leave taxpayers to foot the bill for the nursing home. In my book, that's immoral. But it is so common that most of us give it no thought. There is one moral failing that is devastating to the future of our nation. That failing, which has wide acceptance by the American people, is the idea that Congress has the authority to forcibly use one American to serve the purposes of another American. That is nothing less than legalized theft and accounts for roughly three-quarters of federal spending. For the Christians among us, we should consider that when God gave Moses the commandment, Thou shalt not steal, he probably didn't mean thou shalt not steal unless you get a majority vote in the U.S. Congress. There you go. The great Walter E. Williams, professor of economics at George Mason University, talking about changes in our morality, how common it is now for us to think that it's perfectly fine to be able to use the agency of government in order to cover our costs and let us put our problems off on our neighbors and fellow citizens. Not a novel concept. This has been around for a long time. Davy Crockett, I know all you guys heard of Davy Crockett, died at the Alamo. Was he the one who killed him a bar when he was only 10? No, that was Daniel Boone. Sorry, I mix those two up sometimes. But, but yeah, Davy Crockett was actually a member of Congress for a couple of years. He got so disgusted by it that at the end of his term, he said, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm going to Texas. The rest of you can go to hell. And he left Congress, and you know the rest of the story is more famous. But while he was in Congress, a bill came up to give a pension to the wife of a deceased U.S. admiral. And uh, he said, I'll gladly put up five bucks. And five bucks was big money back in, this would have been the 18... Uh, this would have been the eighteen early 1830s, probably. He says, I'll gladly put up five bucks of my own money and encourage each one of you to put up five bucks of your own for the poor lady's relief. But I can find nothing in the Constitution that authorizes me to take the taxpayer's money to take care of someone else's misfortune. Well, of course, our attitudes have changed quite a bit since those days. Uh, we have a society now in which putting our own costs off on others is, is pretty much the common and accepted thing to do. What do you think about that? Do you think that we ought to have more government to give more uh, of our problems to our fellow citizens? Call us. It's 823-0965. We'd like to have your input. And uh, we're talking a little bit in this first half hour at least about Walter Williams' column, Immoral behavioral changes, changes in our society that he thinks are responsible, at least in part, for our reaction to mass shootings. Want to talk about mass shootings and our reaction to them? Want to talk about the news of the day? Give us a call at 823-0965. And I promise the fewer people that call, the more jokes I'm going to read out of Plato and a platypus walked into a bar. Uh, we're going to take a break right now, and we'll be back just momentarily. And welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. Carl Kimball sitting in for Dave on a Friday afternoon, and we were just talking about uh, how 
the federal government, which is huge, and which is hugely, hugely, hugely in debt, uh, and and is now, as of today, going it looks like another trillion dollars into debt or somewhere thereabouts. Uh, spend three quarters of that money, essentially, on taking care of citizens with other citizens' money. Something that Dr. Walter Williams finds immoral, and uh, most libertarians, I think, do as well. Uh, you know, I never myself ever cheat the IRS. I never ever intentionally would do anything to pay less taxes by any illegal means. But I certainly grab for every single possible way that I have to reduce my tax debt legally because every penny that I send, well, every dollar I send there, I know that 75 cents of it is going to stuff I don't really agree with. Uh, Let me give you just a little short story uh, about someone who felt a little differently maybe than me about that. Man wrote a letter to the IRS saying, I've been unable to sleep knowing that I have cheated on my income tax. I have understated my taxable income, and I have enclosed a check for $150. If I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest. So there you go. That's a little bit, little bit further afield than I would go. But how do you feel about it? We'd like to hear from you. You can call us at 823-0965 and and talk about this or any other subject that strikes your fancy on a Friday afternoon. Here we are in the great city of Little Rock, the capital city. And uh, my gosh, we're looking at lots and lots of government here, you know. I was up on top of one of those big, tall bank buildings a few years back where they have the restaurants. I forget it was a reception for somebody that I'd gone to that was up on the top of one of those bank buildings. And I was looking down on the on the buildings in downtown Little Rock, and there used to be an awful lot more businesses downtown than there are now. I looked down and I said, gee, that used to be a business building, and now it's all full of county bureaucrats. And that building over there, it's all full of city bureaucrats. And that building over there, it's all full of state bureaucrats. And then there's that building over there, all full of federal bureaucrats. So that seems to be the the biggest uh, business that we have here in Little Rock is figuring ways to take money from people that are being productive and spread it around in ways that get those politicians reelected. And, of course, the smaller a government we had, the less of that kind of thing that we would have. We're small, small government guys here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Are you? Call us and let us know. Now, there's something else along these same lines. Let's see, we're almost to the bottom of the hour here. So let me come back after the bottom of the hour with this. But but there's a fellow by the name of David French who, writing in the National Review, had something to say that touched on a similar topic. And we're going to come back to him after the Fox News coming up at the bottom of the hour. And they're going to be talking, I'm sure, about the president signing this new huge, huge spending bill. And uh, if you'd like to weigh in on what you think about uh, Donald Trump, did he sell out conservatives and and people who voted for him because they thought that he was going to give a smaller government? Did he betray your principles or did he do the pragmatic thing in order to save the military and keep the government from being shut down, which, of course, is always blamed on Republicans no matter how much they give. It's always going to be the Republicans' fault in case there's a uh, shutdown. So let's see what happens. Be back after the bottom of the hour. Okay. 
Well, I thought it was the bottom of the hour. I see I was 30 seconds off. Uh, we're going to come back afterwards and talk a little bit more about how the declining morality in the United States of America has led to some of the problems that we have. Now, I think I'm finally coming up on the Fox News break, and it's delightful to be with you, Carl Kimball, in for Dave Ellswick. We'll see you in just a few. Yes, it's the Dave Ellswick show, but Dave's not here, man. You got Carl Kimball, Dave's old buddy from long back, sitting in for him here on a wonderful Friday afternoon. Glad to be able to talk to Dave's audience and of course, Dave, being the libertarian-thinking, freedom-loving guy that he is, I'm sure he's got a lot of folks like that in the audience. And we've been talking a little bit about uh, the effects of morality on our government and on our society and how it affects our freedoms and how the size of government affects our freedoms. If you'd like to weigh on that or any of the news of the day, feel free to give us a call anytime at 823 now, you know, it's not just us libertarians, but I think that any of us who really try hard to follow what's going on in our government and our society and stay up with the news because perhaps we want to be good, informed voters and make a logical, reasonable choice in hopes that that will move our country in the right direction. And those of us who think about these things, we we try to use logic, but logic can be kind of tricky. It's Things aren't always what they seem. Let me tell you a story about Sherlock Holmes, my favorite literary character. Now, uh, this story is, once again, right out of one of my favorite books, Plato and a Platypus, Walk into a Bar. Although this is hardly original to them, this was once voted the funniest joke ever. So if you don't laugh, I'll know it must have been my delivery. Okay, Holmes and Watson are on a camping trip. In the middle of the night, Holmes wake up and gives Dr. Watson a nudge. Watson, he says, look up in the sky and tell me what you see. I see millions of stars, Holmes, says Watson. And what do you conclude from that, Watson? Watson thinks for a moment. Well, he says, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. Theologically, I see that God is all-powerful and that we are small and insignificant. Uh, What does it tell you, Holmes? Watson, you idiot! Someone has stolen our tent! And the applause dies down. Okay. So, logic doesn't always work, especially when it's imperfectly applied. Let's see if we can apply a little logic to what's going on in our society here. Now, just before we had the bottom of the hour break, I was about to give you a short quote out of uh, National Review's March 19th issue from a fellow named David French. If you've ever read him, he's a, he's a deep thinker, too. He says, many millions of American young people just seem lost. They're deeply suspicious of organized religion, yet they can't escape the nagging need for transcendence in their lives. They want answers to great questions, but they're suspicious of authority. They want purpose, but they don't know what purpose means apart from careerism. Oh, and all but the most politically correct are keenly aware that mankind has fallen, that men and women are different, 
And that, while the post-Christian West has allegedly killed God, it can't seem to replace him with anything better. This is the landscape of spiraling rates of anxiety and depression, of extended adolescence, and of a generation of young men who've been told that masculinity is toxic, but not taught how to live in a way that recognizes or even cares to comprehend their true nature. Boy, that sets the scene. That's the table. We're living in a fallen world. Everybody out there who's read his Bible or who's got the least bit of religious background knows that we're a fallen people in a fallen world. What to do? Uh, Mankind organizes governments as a way for us to live together. Uh, Frederick Bastiat, the French philosopher of the 19th century, said that government was a fiction by which one man tried to live at the expense of another. Well, it's got to be more than that. But apparently three-quarters of it is that, uh, if our budget is to be used as a yardstick for that. What do you think? Is our government too big? Is it trying to do too much? Ought we be trying to do more for ourselves? What does that say about the American character that where a hundred years ago, everybody had to do everything for himself if he was going to survive? Today, you can live in your family's basement on their health care until you're in your late 20s. What does that say about the kind of society that we're building, the kind of society that we're going to turn over to our children? What will their children be like? Uh, Questions, questions. You know, to find an answer to these things, we turn inward. We look for spiritual guidance. And yet, we're not able to drag ourselves up by the bootstraps. Government tries to do for us, but it doesn't change things for the better. Look at all of the things that are going on in our society around us today. School shootings. Can't blame them on the guns. The guns have always been there. We've had kids taking guns to school for generations in the back of their truck to go hunting after school, and it wasn't a big deal. Now we're scared to death of a kid that bites a Pop-Tart into the shape of a gun. That'll get you in trouble. Guy was suspended. Excuse me. Guy was suspended from a school, I think it was in Florida, earlier this year, because he had made a joke about the square root symbol looking like a gun. We're all getting very, very sensitive. And yet, with all of this sensitivity, Where's the caring? Where's the compassion? Tell us about it. What are your thoughts on this Friday afternoon? You can call us at 8230965. Change the topic. Give us something different to talk about. I can if you won't. But we're glad to hear from you and be glad to hear what topics are of interest to you. Be nice to get away from all the school shootings and budget battles, fighting in Congress. Hey, here was one that caught my eye the other day. Made me think about Arkansas. We're having all this struggle right now legally with our uh, medical marijuana. You guys heard of Ricky Williams? <laughs> Running back? Boy, he was a good one, too. At least when they let him play. He got suspended twice for uh, testing positive for marijuana. 
came back with the Dolphins. Uh, one of my best friends, a guy I watch Monday Night Football with all the time, is a huge, huge Dolphins fan. You may know him. But this guy's a huge Dolphins fan. He was so excited when he got Ricky Williams. Ah, uh, the Dolphins are finally in to get that Larry Zonka, Jim Kick running back game back again. Holy mackerel. He, he thought it was going to be a year for him. And then Ricky gets suspended for marijuana. And he shows up at Monday Night Football, first game of the season, and he's got one of these little toy NFL figurines. And it's, and it's, a, it's a little six-inch high Ricky Williams, you know, in his Dolphins uniform. And he's kind of in the Heisman Trophy pose with his hand out to stiff arm somebody running down the field. And, and he got this little tiny cellophane thing that he made up like a baggie and filled it with oregano and, and tied it to his front hand. So it looked like he was running down the field with a bag of pot in his hand. And we laughed about that all season. Ex-NFL running back rolls out new pot products. Ricky Williams is no longer just a Heisman Trophy winner and a former Miami Dolphins running back and a 10-year veteran of the NFL. Now he's also the purveyor of his own brand of marijuana products. According to the South Florida Sun Sentinel, Real Wellness by Ricky Williams, products went on sale Tuesday in California. And yes, the products are health-focused. They won't be available recreationally, uh, which is now legal in California but will be sold in medical marijuana dispensaries. Real Wellness is starting with six different products, a salve, two types of tonic, three types of vape cartridges. Well, so there you go. Ricky didn't make enough money in the NFL. Now he's going to cash it in on the pot business. There, there are some guys trying to cash in big in the pot business here in Arkansas. You may have read about it. In fact, there's a court case going on right now. This court case involves... Uh, our wonderful Judge Wendell Griffin, who's always in trouble for something, it seems, but he's not in trouble this time. He's the one who's in charge, and he just lowered the boom. We were finally, nearly two years after the citizens of Arkansas voted to make medical marijuana legal, and uh, they've gone through this long process, and after two years almost, They'd finally got down to selecting the only five organizations in the state of Arkansas that would be legal to grow the stuff for its legal use in medical dispensaries. And what happens is now all five that have been chosen have been suspended from getting their licenses issued to them because there was a lawsuit saying that it wasn't fair the way they picked them. Well, good grief. They were only going to let five people or organizations in the entire state of Arkansas do it and now all five of those are out, so the, the will of the people is frustrated yet again. And uh, who knows how long the process will go on. we got a caller who wants to talk about this. Maybe we even have somebody who wants to talk about this subject. Is that Willie on line one? Send Willie in. Hello, Willie. Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, Carl. Good to have you with us today. What topic strikes your fancy today? A passionate ominous, ominous bill. President Trump bucked the Republican establishment like AKA McConnell and Ryan. And I love Donald Trump and his family. I'd even take a bullet for him. That's commitment, Willie. That's commitment. That's, That's all I had to say. Uh, so are you against this massive omnibus bill that 
he's uh, signed to this morning, or are you for it? Well, I didn't have DACA in there or defund Planned Parenthood. Nope, there's still money for sanctuary cities, and yeah. and uh, still money, as you said, for Planned Parenthood. Uh, no money for the wall. How does that make you feel that Trump signed that? Do you like him any less because of it? No, I still love the man. Do you think he made a mistake in signing that? Or do you think he was forced into it and had no choice? Well, I think he bucked the Republican establishment, the swamp. Yeah, but that's why we sent him out there, was to, to try and do something about the swamp, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, do you think he's making any headway? Oh, Carl, I don't know. It's an uphill battle, isn't it? I wish he had the. I wish the wall and DACA and the uh, defund Planned Parenthood were in that bill. I do too. I tell you, even more as much as I'd like to see Planned Parenthood defunded, I'd almost rather have seen them defund these so-called sanctuary cities. Those people have turned essentially traitor to the United States. They're working against the United States. Uh, is that any different, is running these sanctuary cities and saying we're not going to follow uh, the law, is that any different or any better than if they said, well, we don't agree with the civil rights laws, we're going to allow discrimination against uh, a certain class of people or a certain race of people in our city because we don't accept that federal law. Do you think that would be any more right? I, I, I'm against those sanctuary cities like those cities out in California. Yeah, they're kind of undermining us, aren't they? Yeah, Jerry Brown's a, he's a, he's a crazy kook. Boy, he's been around for ages, too. I remember he was governor back in the late 70s. When he, he was, old, old, old Moonbeam? Yeah, yeah. He was dating, uh, let's see, what was that? What was that? A Linda Ronstadt. Thank you. Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, she was hot back then. Now she's just another fat liberal activist, but but back then she was young and hot, and and she was dating Jerry Brown, and they were having their extramarital affair, and it was just all so cool in California and up to date and hip. And Jerry even had hair back then. You know what? The, one of the problems is out there in California. Only one. Go they, ahead and give. Got, they've got that radical left wing nine circuit court of appeals out there. You know, I'm not sure whether. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is making California worse, or the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which I think meets in San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken, whether they're that liberal and that far left because of where they are. They fit in, in a way, with their community. Did, did Pelosi and Schumer love this ominous bill? Uh, yeah, they apparently do. Schumer and Pelosi were both very pleased with the omnibus bill, but then they were two of the only four people that apparently had any input on it. Apparently, Pelosi and Schumer and McConnell and Ryan, the respective party leaders of the two houses of Congress, those four got together and decided what was in it. And then they gave it to everybody. And, and they put like a 2,200-page bill on every congressman and senator's desk and said, we're voting on this tomorrow. Now, I don't know about you, Willie, but I, I love to read, and I've been reading all my life, but I couldn't read 2,200 pages in one day. Could you? I couldn't either. Huh. I couldn't either, Carl. 
and the way they're written, you could probably read them and have trouble understanding them anyway. Well, I, yeah, I hope the president drains that swamp. Well, I hope so too, Willie. We just got to keep hoping and praying that things get better. But I got to say, I'm a little skeptical right now. Thanks a lot for calling us, Willie. It's good having you with us on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, we're due for a break right now, so I regret i got to let you go, and i got to let me go, too, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is Carl Kimball here on 96.5 FM, The Answer. Soon to be, what is it, 101 101.1. 101.1. Yeah, man. We'll be able to get an even better signal here in Little Rock, and even more of us can listen to exciting stuff like the Dave Ellswick show and the other fine programming on the answer and sorry you got a substitute to suffer through this afternoon but thanks for putting up with a little bit of Carl Kimball in for Dave and we've been talking about various things this afternoon oh Willie wanted to talk about draining the swamp man oh man there's a lot of swamp to drain and uh, unfortunately if it's being drained it's being drained with a straw i think so maybe we're making a little bit of headway but uh, it doesn't seem like too much feel free to call us and tell us what you think also uh, talked a little bit about this uh, arkansas medical marijuana law and if anybody has an opinion on that they'd like to call in about we'd entertain that too uh, you know here we are 2 years into it and nothing's happening a lot of people probably soon it stayed that way uh, people that voted for it, which apparently is the majority of us, have got to be a little frustrated. And, of course, you know, we didn't have a lot of choices. We could have voted for something perhaps that said, gee, if you got a backyard, you can grow your own. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. And if you do, just, you know, keep it on your own property and you're not bothering anybody else. That's, that's what George Washington and Thomas Jefferson did, you know. George Washington and Thomas Jefferson traded correspondence comparing their hemp crops and, and uh, what they did to make them better and how, you know, it, they Queen Victoria used it for menstrual cramps, for goodness sake. So it hadn't always been the pariah drug that they tried to make it in this country from uh, the 1930s. You know, I got a theory about that. You know, Franklin Roosevelt legalized booze because, shoot, you know, it was the Depression. Everybody was so depressed. They, everybody really wanted a drink back then, and almost everybody. And Franklin, he made booze legal again but here he's in the midst of the depression and he had thousands and thousands of federal employees whose whole job was to stop people from drinking booze now booze was legal how to keep those people employed well let's make pot illegal and send them after them and uh we'll talk a little bit and we're in the fleeting two minutes of the dave ellswick show's first hour right now when we come back if you're interested in this topic want to talk a little bit about uh this lawsuit that's going on right now and uh hope you'll join in the conversation because if you leave me by myself, I'm going to feel like that cow in the field, you know? You know which one I'm talking about? There's two cows standing in a pasture, and one of the cows says to the other, although pi is usually abbreviated to five numbers, it actually goes on into infinity. And the second cow turns to the first cow says, so that's a little how I'm feeling right now. I'm out, out, out here talking in the wilderness. Uh, pi does go on to infinity, though, whether you say moo or not. But, but call me in, say moo, say anything else. Uh, we're running out of time in this hour, but we'll be back for, gosh, hours and hours more of the Dave Ellswick Show, and it's going to be fun. Hope that you can stick with us. You know, here in Little Rock, we're very fortunate to have Dave. He's a fun guy. He's a lot of fun. 
and he brings a lot of great stuff to the table. Uh, with more notice next time, maybe I'll bring more to the table than I have been now, but, but we're going to talk a little bit more about the news of the day and things going on in Arkansas when we come back after the top of the hour. It's going to be fun. Come back and join us and right after the news. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show. Carl Kimball here. Talking to you and Dave Stead while Dave takes a little medical leave this afternoon to recover and get to feeling better. And Dave, we miss you. We know you'll do a heck of a lot better job than I could here, so we can hardly wait to have you back. And you and all your outstanding guests, it's going to be great next week when Dave's back. But right now, glad that you're listening to us here on 96.5 The Answer. And we welcome your participation. If you got your two bits worth you want to put in on the news of the day or any of the things we've discussed or bring something up, go ahead and give us a call, 823-0965. And uh, just before we get back into some of the things we were talking about at the end of the last hour, got a little story I want to tell you. There are a lot of different ways to make money. Boy, I was listening on Fox News. Boy, people paying to have sex and getting paid not to talk about having sex and wanting to get paid more for not talking any more about having sex or wanting to get a whole lot more money to talk about having had sex that they were paid not to talk about. And it makes my head spin. Well, here's a little old lady found a way to make some money. Little old lady goes into a bank with a satchel filled with a hundred thousand dollars in cash and asked to open an account. The cautious banker asked where she got the money gambling. She says, I'm very good at gambling. Oh, uh, the banker says, uh, yeah, what sorts of ga- bets do you make? He goes, oh, all sorts. Says, For example, I'll bet you $25,000 right now that by noon tomorrow, you will have a butterfly tattoo on your right buttock. <laughs> well, I'd love to take that bet, says the banker, but it wouldn't be right for me to take your money for such an absurd wager. Let me put it to you this way, says the woman. If you don't bet me, I'll have to find another bank for my money. Now, don't be too hasty, says the banker. I'll take your bet. The woman returns the next day at noon with her lawyer as a witness. The banker turns around, drops his pants, and invites the other two to observe that he has won the bet. Okay, says the woman. Uh, But could you bend over just a little more to make sure? The banker obliges. And the woman concedes and starts counting out $25,000 in cash from her satchel. The lawyer, meanwhile, is sitting with his head in his hands, starting to cry. What's wrong with him? asked the banker. He says, oh, he's just a sore loser. I bet him $100,000 that by noon today, you'd moon us in your office. And so he did. Okay, so there's an easy seventy-five grand. You just missed the best joke of the day, Paul. Welcome, welcome, Paul Calvert to the Dave Ellswick Show. How you doing, Paul? Give him a second to grab his headphones. and Well, I'm glad to hear that. Well, well, well I guess I'm going to have to tell it to you during the next break since uh, uh, all of the three viewers that are or three listeners that are listening to us have already heard it, but... Uh, I've been I've been sharing a few gags out of Plato and a platypus walk into a bar. Understanding philosophy through jokes by Thomas Cathcart and Daniel Quine. Out there actually pretty witty. 
Oh yeah, good stuff. You gotta, ha- stuff. gotta have some intelligence to make good jokes in a lot of cases, unless you're dealing with really dumb people. And then, well, you know, you got me on the radio, <laughs> so you know, at least they have somebody to identify with. Now, we've been talking about several things so far. We talked about uh, Walter Williams' column that oh. talked about how behavioral uh, immorality is the cause of the problems that we're having in our society it's a major influence on the problem he he talks about how how we didn't have fewer guns a hundred years ago people didn't have fewer guns they didn't have harder access to guns a hundred years ago you could buy dynamite a hundred years ago guns were guns were just as plentiful to the population and they were just as easier, really far easier to get oh, yeah. 100 years ago than they are now. But, could, yeah, any 16-year-old could probably go into a hardware store well, and, and get them in a course, lot of cases. Of course. And, and uh, you hear stories all the time about guys my age that used to drive to high school with their shotgun in the rack of their pickup truck because they were going out hunting after mm-hmm. school. When they are 16. And it was no big deal because mm-hmm. people were raised with a different level of morality that's now. And... One of the reasons that people have got a lowered sense of morality is because we've all been conditioned to think it's okay to use the government's gun to take our neighbor's property to ease our problems. Right. We do that all the time. We, we think, well, this is a good cause or this is this will this will make me happy and therefore let's vote for it. And let's, let's make whether it be a maybe it's a, a local park or a or a, a, a new sports stadium or. Or something of that nature. Or, or I was talking to a, a senator a while back. I believe it was a senator, and he was talking about how um, he helped with um, he helped a, a local developer put in a, a sewer system for for a new development, which is basically using tax dollars to help some guy, some home builder, basically make a bunch of money, make, making the taxpayers pay for his his pro, his projects, and makes him mm-hmm. um, make, makes his business more profitable at our expense. Exactly so. Exactly so. So, you know, taking care of somebody else's poop, well, <laughs> you know, that's... <laughs> you know, at, at my house, we deal with it ourselves. We, we pay for our own septic system. We, we, don't, we don't ask the government to help pay for it. We don't ask the government to actually steal from our neighbors to help pay for it. We do it ourselves. Yeah, well, that used to be the traditional way of doing things. Uh, so, you know, here we are in a society that is inured to this kind of thing, uh, being able to find a way for us to get around our own problems, get someone else to pay for them. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of par for the course now. It, it is. And it, whether it be public education, getting the government to take care of your responsibility to educate your children, whether it be Social Security, it's my responsibility to take care of my mother. It's not your responsibility to take care of my mother. It's not the government's responsibility to steal from my mother. For 40 years while she's working, or she, actually while my father was working, my mother stayed home for the most part and, and, and worked raising us kids. But it's not the government's responsibility to, to collect for the, for the purposes of my mother's retirement or my father's retirement. My father's dead now. But, but had he been living for another 15 or 20 years and they needed help, it's my job, not the government's job. So do you think that we're make, making any progress at all towards draining the swamp? We had a call earlier from a guy that, he just loves Donald Trump because he thinks that Donald Trump's going to drain the swamp. Now, I think he may have made a little headway in some areas, but my considered opinion is that, that it's he's draining it with a straw so far. Maybe so. Think? I, th- I think he, he may be knocking some holes in it, but I think we're also 
uh, filling it up at the same time. And so <laughs> it, it's kind of like you you um you you got a bunch of sewage running into a five gallon bucket, and you punch a couple holes in the bottom, and it starts leaking out. But you keep flushing the toilet in, into the into the five gallon bucket, and and it doesn't get empty. Maybe no. maybe the level fluctuates up and down a little bit, but at the same time, so we've still got a swamp and it's still full of crud. Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course the president signed this bill today. I heard that. That's going to put us another trillion dollars into debt. We're still funding sanctuary cities and Planned Parenthood. We're still giving taxpayer money to a baby killing organization that sells their little body parts. And and we're good with that. We're good with spending taxpayer money for that. Oh Lord! And then uh, sanctuary cities. There's no defunding of sanctuary cities. Uh, that chapped my lips. I've got to tell you. So all in, and of course his excuse why I did it. And it's typical, typical Washington. Is this is the best we can do. We can't do anything because of the mean if they evil. Did, if they did nothing, I think it would just yeah. revert to, to previous year's spending. And it wouldn't be as bad as what we got, it sounds like. From what I gather, we actually we, 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 we did something when nothing would have been better than something. Because if we just used the previous year's spending system, I'm thinking that we would have had lower spending. Yeah, well, the, the way that budgeting works in Washington is that whether you use all the money or not, you know, if we keep – Spending level, that means everybody gets a 10% increase in everything every year. That's their idea of, of no increase is that things go up by 10%. Uh, and, and a cut is when it only goes up by 6%. Yeah, a cut. A cut. Yeah, that's a cut. Uh, we get a, a 6 7% increase in spending, and they consider that a cut. Uh, oh, well, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, here in Arkansas, I think I think we had, what is it, about a hundred and was it $180 million increase or was it a $300 million increase? And and the governor was talking about how great that was because it was it was less, less than expected. less than less than he intended or originally mm. expected to, to to grow the government by. I'm sorry, people. We've got nearly three quarters majority in both houses in Arkansas and in the House and the Senate, and we have a Republican governor, and we can't shrink government. What is up with this? Apparently not. Apparently not. You know, it reminds me of a story: armed robbers burst into a bank, line up the customers and staff against the wall. And begin to take their wallets, watches, and jewelry. Two of the bank's accountants are those waiting to be robbed. The first accountant suddenly turns and thrusts something in the hand of the other. What's this? The first accountant whispers back. It's the 50 bucks I owe you. <laughs> See, and so that, that's the kind of progress oh. that we're making. That's the kind of progress we're making on the swamp, I think, sometimes. But, so, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Another thing we've been talking about is this uh, medical marijuana fiasco oh. that's going on right now. You, you heard about Judge Griffin? I did. He threw out a bunch of their their, their licenses. Well, he, he canceled. He canceled it completely. Here, it's been two years since the voters of Arkansas voted to legalize legalize marijuana for medical purposes. Right. Okay, so we got this long, complex thing that we got to go through before it ever actually goes into effect. Right. And one of the things is that, of course, you know, the government being the government, they're going to keep a tight control over who can grow it. Only those right. who are officially approved right. by the government will be able to grow it for medical purposes. Right, and who, and who gets those licenses now, to grow it if, if they don't pay a big enough bribe to the local? Yeah, well, now, n- never mind that this is a weed that will grow in a ditch in your backyard <laughs> with very little care. 
You know, never mind that this is uh, something that's been used for thousands of years. Did you know that the first mention of marijuana usage was in Herodotus? Hmm. The father of history. Yeah, he was writing probably around, oh, I think it was around 460 B.C. Oh, wow. 2,500 years ago. Yeah, yeah, about 450, 460 B.C. Herodotus wrote, he called the father of history. Uh, Serious historians consider Thucydides to be more of the progenitor of modern history because he he did more as far as uh, 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 examining his sources and trying to come Mm -hmm. up with what the real history was based on the evidence he could find. Herodotus was more like a travel log where he'd hear all these wild tales and he'd repeat them all. Pretty much. More like more like modern news. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but Herodotus, in one of his stories, wrote about the Scythians. Now, by the way, for those of us of European ancestry, uh, the Scythians were our ancestors. Mm-hmm. They lived in uh, at that time. They lived in in probably what's now Kazakhstan or the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You know, the area north and and uh, northeast of the Black Sea. And Herodotus wrote about a certain tribe called the Scythians who lived in north of the Black Sea area that would have parties where they would gather around the campfire and throw the bushes of a certain sort onto the campfire and inhale its fumes and dance (laughs) around the campfire drunk like the Greeks with wine. Hmm. So, you know, there you have your first, you know, example of a pot party being described <laughs> by the father of history. So, um, uh, you know, uh, yep. that's you know, 2,500 yeah, years yeah, ago. And I, I think it's just kind of an example of of people maybe with good intentions trying to trying to right the wrongs in society through in, improper means. Well, you know, like I was saying just before the top of the hour break, uh, my, my theory uh, of why marijuana has been legal all these years is because when Franklin Roosevelt fulfilled his campaign promise, now he failed to get us out of the Depression. Through eight years of Franklin Roosevelt, mm-hmm. the Depression didn't get any better. In fact, it was worse. He had 25% unemployment at the end of his but, second term. But the government sure grew. Uh, the government sure grew. But one thing they did is they 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 repealed the Volstead Act and the I think it was 19th Amendment that made alcohol illegal. They repealed that and gave people their booze back. So even mm-hmm. though things were still really rotten, mm-hmm. at least you could get a beer or a glass yeah. of whiskey well, and, and, and numb I think, the pain. I think most people will acknowledge that the, that the prohibition on alcohol was a, was a, was was a, a major problem. Fa- it was a horrible failure. It increased organized crime. It led to death and murders and, and uh, mayhem of all sorts and people trying to if you go back and look at it, I think a lot of people would agree that what we see in the drug drug industry, drug trade, drug um, issue stuff today, it's very similar to what was going on back during the the alcohol prohibition. You have the the, the um, drug cartels back then; they had alcohol cartels. They, they were killing each other over drug over over yeah. alcohol deals, from what I understand. And today we have that with drug drug yeah. issues, whereas. Yeah. Whereas the alcohol is a problem. People yeah. abuse alcohol and they hurt each other. But I think it, it was probably um, pretty evident they were hurting each other a whole lot more because of prohibition oh, yeah. and because of the way it was enforced and, and whatnot than right. they were just from, from, from using it. Well, see, my theory was that when Roosevelt repealed the 19th Amendment and made booze legal again so people could at least have a drink to numb the pain of Roosevelt not getting them out of the Depression, but – at the depths of the Great Depression, when unemployment's running around 25%, you've got 
thousands and thousands of federal employees whose only job was to keep you from having a drink. And when they made it legal, what was he going to do with all of you? He wasn't going to cut those people. I mean, those were voters. He wasn't about (laughs) to lay them off in the midst of the Great Depression. So he made pot illegal and sent them after Hmm. mostly them. FDR made pot illegal? Yes. Really? Yes. I don't guess I realized that. And and here, forgive me saying it this way, Zach, but back in those days, pot was mostly used by jazz musicians and Negroes, and the government (laughs) didn't give a damn about either one of those classes of people back then. And so uh, it was easier to send those those guys after them than to keep trying to keep people from having beer or booze. One more reason to, to lock up black people. Well, and and and, 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 it, and it's, it's been it's been a sorry sorry history and, and legalizing it whether you believe in using it or not I think legalizing it would certainly put an end to one of the shameful parts of our modern history that's not done right, the right and, and any I, good. I, I think that the issue is not so much about legalization as the fact that we don't do a good job of holding people accountable so we're afraid to make stuff legal. We, yeah. we need to do a much better job of holding people accountable, and, and, and then we can legalize all kinds of good things and stuff that may be questionable as well. Well, sure. And, and, and if somebody gets high on pot and, and goes and robs a liquor store or robs a bank or runs over someone in his crazed right. frenzy, you hold them responsible for that like you'd hold them responsible for, for those things that they were dead sober. You'd hold or, them responsible Or if they were intoxicated with alcohol. Or right. if they were why would, with why would we make a distinction between alcohol versus versus marijuana? From what I, from what I ha- have, I gather, I've never been drunk and I've never been high on pot. But from what I gather, alcohol is a whole lot more dangerous. Uh, the the things I've read indicate that it's much more physically bad for you, and uh, also leaves you far more impaired from doing the things of everyday life that you don't want to be stumbling around trying to do in a haze right Right. so anyway we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with more of this errant nonsense in just a little while well it just goes to show you can't believe everything you hear even on 96.5 fm the answer because sorry dave's not back but he'll be back on monday at 206 and you'll be able to enjoy his dulcet tones and and uh, his wit and wisdom on Monday, it's Carl Kimball sitting in for Dave here. Got Paul Calvert, our good friend of the show, with us to discuss the news of the day and various philosophical items. And uh, speaking of philosophy, uh, Paul was talking shortly after he arrived about about when we were talking about draining the swamp. And several times, uh, you used the expression sewer, about what ah. a sewer it was. Okay, and that brought the that, that might actually be an insult to the sewers. but Yeah, well, that, that brought the story to mind here. Three engineering students are discussing what sort of God must have designed the human body. The first says, God must be a mechanical engineer. Look at the joints. The second said, I think God must be an electrical engineer. The nervous system has thousands of electrical connections. The third said, actually, God is a civil engineer. Who else would run a toxic waste pipeline through a recreational area? Hmm. All right. There you go. A little food for thought. A little food for thought. Okay, we were talking about, among other things, our medical marijuana fiasco. Here, we've made it legal, but you still can't get it because they're still figuring out ways to decide who will get the government's favor because you have to win the government's favor in order to make the big bucks off being one of the only five organizations in the state. To to obtain the privilege of doing something that never should have been illegal in the first place. Uh, Amen, brother. 
No, because I, it's it's a way that for right. the government to exert and, control and, over. And we do this sort of thing with all sorts of things that should never should have been illegal in the first place. You you can I can't even go out. I can't charge you ten dollars to cut your hair because I don't have a license. It's it's yeah, boneheadedly twenty for it. But it's boneheadedly stupid for mm-hmm. me to have to get a license to do something I already know how to do. And it's an honorable profession cutting hair, but it's illegal for me to cut your hair for ten dollars if I don't have a license. Well, yeah, and and even worse, if if you want to if you want to put people up in jerry curls, you got to go to you got to go to uh, you got to go to one of those beauty schools that doesn't even teach you how to do jerry school, uh, the, the jerry curls, but you got to go to a special school mm. for that or something else in order to get the license for them to allow you to do something that um, shouldn't be their yeah. dang business. Right, it shouldn't be. The thing the thing is. Free people should be well, allowed to do business. We don't like the government telling us what to do, but we do let Zach tell us when it's uh, time for a break. And it's time for one right now. Well, anyway, David rather spend his afternoon with you when he's got his full vocal range and uh, isn't numbed <laughs> from dental procedures. Oh, he was having some. Oh, man, poor Dave. I'm, uh, if you're listening, Dave, get well soon, buddy. All your fans want you back. All three of them, I promise. <laughs> And me too. But anyway, so here we are back. Paul Calvert, Carl Kimball, we're sitting in for Dave here, trying to give you a little afternoon conversation on a beautiful Friday in Little Rock, Arkansas. Glad to have you with us on 96.5 The Answer. And if you want to call in and join the conversation, we're glad to have you at 823-0965. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how sometimes you you try to do something right and somebody ends up you know, making things worse instead. Mm. Here's here's a little story that might go to that. It's okay. About a guy named Billingsley. Billingsley goes to see his friend Hatfield, who's dying in the hospital. As Billingsley's standing by the bed, Hatfield's frail condition seems to grow worse and worse, and he gestures frantically for something to write on. And Billingsley hands him a pen and a piece of paper, and Hatfield used his last ounce of strength to scribble a note no sooner had he finished the note than he died. Billingsley put the note in his pocket, unable in his grief even to read it just then. A few days later, Billingsley's talking to Hatfield's family at the wake, and he realizes that the note's still in his pocket. And he reaches in and he announces to the family, Hat handed me a note just before he died. I hadn't read it yet, but knowing him, I'm sure there's a word of inspiration for us all. He pulls out the note and he reads out loud, You're standing on my oxygen tube. <laughs> oh, so, boy. What do you think, Paul? Is there somebody standing on our oxygen hmm. tube right now? Well, I'm going to make, make a lot of applications to that, but I mean, that, about every um, government agency in existence, perhaps. Yeah, well, we were talking earlier about about this medical marijuana thing Mm. and uh, here we are with something that would grow in a ditch and the state saying only five people can rake in the Mm. enormous profits that are going to be made from finally making it legal and now we got this lawsuit where judge griffin's thrown out all of the Mm. five total of five people who were scored and, and and you know the guys in the lawsuit may have a 
a point. We, we'll find out eventually, I suppose. Right. Yeah, I read a little bit but, about it. and it, But, you know, yeah, apparently the, the guy that finished 82nd said, man, they scored that completely wrong. <laughs> you know, there's bias in, in there. And, yeah, I'll, I'll and, imagine and that. Do you think that somebody's doing somebody that they know or like or maybe are getting a little under the table from a favor by scoring might, them high enough to might be. be one of the privileged five? I don't know. Somebody apparently might thinks be. so. No, and that, and that's, that's part of the problem with, with laws that – that show favoritism to, to certain people or give privileges. That, why, why do we need government granting permission to do things that shouldn't be illegal in the first place? Why do yeah. we Why do we give government that kind of power? Why are we doing that? Uh, we do that I with guess, all sorts I, of things. I, I guess a lot of us have just been raised to go along with it. No, we, we don't trust our neighbors to be able to make decisions for themselves. We talk about the, the Democrats will say they're pro-choice, but – Apparently, that only means about pro, being pro-choice about killing children that are unborn. <laughs> but but show me somebody who's actually pro-choice. Pro, show me a political party that's actually pro-choice about choice. Okay. How, how is it that we don't have choice to, to make decisions about who, who we buy from, what we buy, and, and whatnot? Uh, here's a Democrat that's got something to weigh in on. Okay. A guy by the name of Scott Baltz is a representative to the state legislature from Pocahontas. He made a request Wednesday – in a letter to the Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration Medical Marijuana Commission members and Governor Asa Hutchinson that after a circuit judge stopped, that's Wendell Griffin, had stopped uh, the awarding of the first five cannabis cultivation permits Wednesday evening, Baltz, in an interview Thursday, said he felt a review was needed because of the number of discrepancies in the license application process Hiring an independent firm from outside Arkansas, of course, at even greater <laughs> expense to the taxpayer, we might add, uh, to judge the hopeful growers' propositions and uh, ensure that credible and impartial process takes place. Hmm. I don't have a dog in this fight, Balt says, but I've been looking at this thing, and it looks like the state is going to get a black eye. We just have to control how black it gets. <laughs> Sorry. Well, anyway, Department of uh, finance and administration people didn't have an official response for Baltz on Thursday. So there you go. That was that was what was going on yesterday with it. Right. So so the, the better response was, and we were talking about this back um, last year during the, during the legislative session because they were kind of dealing with, with the issue of, of setting up this medical marijuana um, government bureaucracy, and um, it was a mess. It would have been so much better if we had just simply passed oh. – Legalization, get the government out of it, and if people uh, want, if people want to grow this stuff, let them grow it. If they and, and if they use as it, as long in, as you're not hurting anybody right, else, long, why is it the government's business? Exactly. Why? Why? If someone wants to to have a hundred pounds of pot in their basement and they use it only for their sick grandmother mother who has cancer, leave them alone. Well, why, why does it matter? Obviously, the majority of the people in the state thought that it was legitimate. If you're in pain, if if you have something seriously wrong with you mm -hmm. that you can alleviate your agony, feel better. And, and we know that in the case of uh, cancer patient, patients, that one thing is that, that under the treatment for cancer causes them to lose their appetite. The right. loss of appetite causes them to lose strength, which makes right. it harder for them to fight the cancer. Right. And just being able to get their appetite back and being able mm -hmm. to eat again 
uh, helps their overall health. And if nothing else, gosh, why did you want people to suffer when they're going through that anyway? So the people of Arkansas decided that that this should be something that's available. And yet here we are two years later, and the government is still standing in the way, still finding excuses why it's not complicated enough yet. We hadn't spent enough of the taxpayers' money yet. We hadn't managed to figure out which of our insiders are going to be able to get rich on it while the rest of you are still going to be prohibited. The better thing would have been for the legislators to say, you know what, we're just going to delete all of the state laws against this right now, and we're we're just going to let— That would have been so easy. they, they could have done that. And, and, and it would they have, could have legislated. It's not, it's not that complicated. And you know, it would have cost the taxpayers zero. Not pretty much. You just say, these laws are now null and void. Well, you know, Delete what's them. the cost in that? Yeah, and they, and they wouldn't get to grow bureaucracy. Then they wouldn't get to grow bureaucracy. Then they wouldn't have to have people to tell us how to live our lives. And, and, and the suit gets even more complicated as time goes on now. Here's this today's paper now. First company that stood to receive one of Arkansas's near five new medical marijuana growing licenses asked Thursday to intervene in the lawsuit that derailed the state's plans for handing out the licenses. Natural State Wellness Enterprises joined four other marijuana cultivation applicants that have asked Pulaski County Circuit Judge Wendell Griffin to allow them to become parties in a lawsuit against Arkansas Medical Marijuana Commission, but it's the first to argue in the commission's favor. Griffin, in an order Wednesday, declared the commission's rankings of the 95 cultivation applicants null and void and barred the panel from awarding the first five growing licenses. Wow. So there we are. Government if, stymieing the people yet again. If I, I recall think. if I recall correctly, it was pretty stinking expensive for these applicants to actually apply. Oh. It was thousands of dollars. Uh, I, I, think, I think they had to put up like a hundred grand bond just to be in the process. I think I think they had to pay Several thousand dollars that wasn't just, refundable. Yeah, just to get the application. D- just to file, I guess. I mean, that's 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 boneheaded. And it's going to be, you know, and what they're doing is they're crowding out the little guy and making sure that only the rich fat cats who are politically well-connected get a chance to participate well, in this what, what do we expect? That's that's kind of become the American way is that we oh, we, we, um, we pass laws under the guise of it's, it's for the people, it's for the children. We need to protect you from, from yourself because you're too stupid. But in, in reality is... The, the reality is so many times we're, we're just propping up and providing protect, protectionism for the big shots. Exactly so. Exactly so. Government of, by, and for the rich. <laughs> <laughs> we have the best government money can buy. Yep. Well, so we got enough time to carry this madness on at greater length after the break. I think it's about a good time for us to bring in some of Dave's very important sponsors to let you know who makes this madness possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show on 96.5 The Answer. Carl Kimball here sitting in for Dave this afternoon. Hi, Dave. Hope you're feeling better soon and look forward to having you back on the air on Monday. I'm sitting here with our good buddy and friend of the show, Paul Calvert, and we've been rambling on about some Mm -hmm. of the uh, intrusions upon our life of government and how sometimes it seems to stymie us, but don't want to be down all the time. I mean, you know. You need to have a little bit of optimism. You know, an optimist thinks that this is the best of all possible worlds. A pessimist fears that it is so. (laughs) Here's another one for you. The optimist says the glass is half full. The pessimist says the glass is half empty. 
the rationalist says the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. <laughs> All right, there you go. Just a little bit of wisdom from Plato uh, and the Platypus. But uh, anyway, we're discussing the idea that perhaps we're having too big and too complicated. And, you know, when this business came up uh, last, uh, it was year before last, the last election cycle when the medical marijuana was on the ballot, I thought, you know, this is this is not the right way to do it. But, you know, I guess it's a step in the right direction compared to the prohibition, the entire total prohibition that we had before. Right. And it kind of comes back to the, the, the problem of the federal government stepping beyond their, their lawful bounds. They actually passed the constitutional amendment when they outlawed alcohol. They didn't do it for marijuana. They didn't do it for other nope, drugs. Nope, they didn't. So, so there, I think if you just look at history, they at least had enough decency to pass a constitutional amendment when they outlawed liquor. Yeah, and uh, it, you could make an argument, I suppose, that, that it's for the public good that they outlaw. But I think it's kind of a thin and specious argument that's used essentially to justify more government and more government control. Sure. No, a, a lot of people can justify all sorts of things. I mean, a thief can oftentimes probably give you some argument about why he steals. But that doesn't justify evil behavior. And, and, and the fact mm-hmm. is that there's a constitution. Government does not have authority on their own. They're not like a human being. They don't have rights. Government in, in, in the system of a free society, they only, the only kind of rights they can have or only kind of authority that a government can have in a free society is delegated rights. There might be all sorts of good things that somebody could do, but government doesn't have any authority to, to, to do those things unless they are delegated. That if authority. only I had all of your money. Think of all the people I could help with it, Paul. Correct. You're standing in the way of me helping yeah. all those people I could mm-hmm. help with mm-hmm. your money. Gosh, you're selfish. Yeah, something like that. And you're and, and if you were government, the the people might vote to to use guns to take it from me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no yeah. kidding. And and that and that's how we need to how we needed to view the, these various different projects. You know, there's there's a lot of good things that all of us could do. But I think it, I think it was George, it I think it was George Washington that said that government is force. It's not, yeah, of course, it's force. It's force. He says, like fire. It's a useful servant and a dangerous master. It's, and it's the, the, the problem is we don't want government to be a master. Yeah. Some of us do, perhaps. Well, you know, I don't. America was founded by people who thought that man should be able to govern himself, that it shouldn't be our place to do what our betters tell us, but it should be our place to go out and do what we need to do to be good and righteous men, to accomplish the things that we need to do for ourselves and for our families. And the country was founded by people like that. It was a great experiment, and it was an experiment that was essentially unknown in history before that. And and because of that culture of rugged individualism that is so often scorned by the pretty, well, by the beautiful people nowadays, scorn, <laughs> just like they talk about toxic masculinity. You know, they talk about about how, you know, this well, rugged lot. individualism and this idea of individual liberty, it's, oh, it's so passe. That's just, you know, like, right. well, that's the, you 18th century white men talking. Uh, per- perhaps so. But the thing is that we don't have much examples to look to. We, we, don't, we, don't have, we don't have decent masculinity, hardly at all, that someone can look at and say, you know, this is, this is what a man should be. We have a bunch of examples of morons that act yeah. like act like a bunch of stupid apes and so when, when people s- s- sit back and, and talk about masculinity and they don't want it they've got lots of examples of losers exhibiting some 
moronic form of, of, of masculinity that's basically barbaric. And it's not it's not God fearing, kind, gentle masculinity that's still strong. What they've seen is barbarism, I think. There's a, a congressman from Louisiana by the unlikely name of John Kennedy. Mm. This one's a Republican uh, for what that's worth, but but he's become known for his pithy witticisms in uh, the halls of Congress in recent years. And this recent omnibus spending bill that we were talking about earlier in the hour, uh, he said, it looks like it was put together by a bunch of morons. <laughs> Said, well, lay it on the line, John. How do you really feel? Well, I, I think there was a the people in the past have talked about how how we could pick our our government officials perhaps by going down the phone book, and we would do better if just just randomly going through names it was, in the uh, phone book. W- William F. Buckley, the founder of National Review, that many many years ago said, "I'd rather be governed by the first five hundred and thirty five names in the, the phone. Boston phone book." Than by Congress. Well, and, and unfortunately, the the, the standard has get more good men. The standard has gone down because yeah. I, I think now we, we might do better if we just took, took a local prison and used that roster and, and took the first five hundred and thirty five names in some. Yeah, you'd probably get back some former congressmen. And, we might, and we might representatives. But the, but, the, but the but the the whole might actually be an improvement. <laughs> it might be, might be. Well, so do you think that uh, in the end? That we're going to ever get this resolved over uh, over the it's, I, I'm, my opinion is someday and probably after I'm dead and gone I think someday that a generation will come along that will say this is ridiculous just get rid of it and, and do away with the entire marijuana prohibition oh yeah I and, think, and if, I, if I think that it's... generation is willing to be as libertarian on on some other things that are maybe less recreational and more serious. I don't know. I don't know about that. One, one of the problems that I've seen, you know, back during the Ron Paul movement, I think Ron Paul was was kind of the poster child for conservatism, uh, uh, believe it or not. But he was very much a libertarian philosophy. I've, I voted for him more than once. But, 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 you know, he was the Libertarian Party's candidate in, uh, I think it was, I think it was 84. Okay. But, and so 84 or 88. That's when I was pretty little. But, yeah. but, the, but the thing is, though, Ron Paul— would be I think you would find him to be your conservative's conservative from a Christian moral view standpoint. However, what what gave him a bad name I think was the fact that so many other people who called themselves libertarian from a philosophy standpoint were moral reprobates, and that, that's that was one of the problems that that was that um, that kind of tarnishes the idea of liberty in in yeah, general. Every time anybody found out that I was a libertarian, they they wanted to know you know why I was for. For drugs and prostitution, I said, well, well, it's not exactly you know the right, heart. Right? Of it. No, I, you know, I, if your main, pro, if if someone's main um, push for liberty is because they want to do immoral things, you know, I don't want to hang out with those people. Really, you know, you know I, I want liberty so I can do good things. You know, I had a I had a real good friend that was in my Masonic lodge, and I he he was sightless, and so I used to often pick him up and give him a ride mm-hmm. to the lodge, and uh, you know, he he said to me. Says, you know, Carl, you libertarians got some pretty good ideas, but I don't know. I really want to keep my stop signs. <laughs> I, I, Paul said, "That's not the idea. No, the libertarians don't want to take away your stop signs." <laughs> no, no, the the idea of libertarian ideology is that government only does things to protect people's rights. Yeah, it, 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 you can you can you can still have government. I mean, it, it, even without government at all, it, it's, it's not immoral for you or I to to to, um, to use force. 
to stop someone from doing something that harms someone else. You know, if, uh, if I see a little old lady. Maybe true, but not necessarily legally in some states. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. In, in the absence of government, though, you and I c- can morally um, protect some little old lady who's being beat up or, and robbed. We don't need government to do that. Ideally, government should should protect that little old lady. Unfortunately, unfor- too often, the government's actually the one who's robbing the little old lady yeah, when you need in help, the form of taxation. When and, you need help in, in seconds, the police are minutes away. A- a- absolutely. And so it's it's far better to have neighbors who are armed next door who will come and, and, and help you out rather than uh, have to wait five uh, minutes uh, for this, the police this to show story, up. The, uh, I, I'm going to get the time wrong. I want to say the 517 to Paris or, or the new Clint Eastwood movie about those guys on the train okay. in France that some terrorists started to kill everybody. And these three Americans just suddenly jumped up and jumped the guy. And one of them got shot and one of them got stabbed. But they mm. but they got the guy and they stopped anybody from getting killed. Mm. You know? And they were acting like Americans. You know, <laughs> I mean, gosh, you know, all the Frenchies sitting there going, oh, no, the terrorists are going to kill me. And the Americans get up and beat the crap out of the guy. Well, uh, rugged individualism. Yeah, good old rugged individual. Clint Eastwood's been making some great movies well, in, in it, recent it, years about American and, heroes and so much, doing heroic American things. So much we we make rugged individualism illegal. Yeah, man. Well, we're going to talk some more about that when we come back in the next hour. That are some related topics, and we hope that you'll stick with us. You'll always be able to call in to the answer and join in the fun here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks to Dave for Letting me sit in with him. Thanks to our buddy Paul Calvert for joining us. We'll see you after the top of the hour break. All righty. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show on 96.5 The Answer. Delighted to have you with us today. And I'm Carl Kimball sitting in just this one day for Dave. He'll be back on Monday. And who's Carl Kimball? Well, for those of you who don't know, I've been an independent agent here insurance agent here in my hometown of Little Rock for the last 38 years now. And I'm a member of Calvary Baptist Church here in Little Rock. I'm a proud member of Western Star Lodge Number 2, the oldest fraternal organization in the city of Little Rock, founded in 1837. And uh, also proud to be a member of our wonderful Scottish Rite here. And proud to be a friend of Dave's because philosophically, although I'm not officially a card-carrying member of the party anymore. I am still philosophically a libertarian, which is how Dave and I got to be friends is because of our libertarian leanings. And, you know, uh, some people when they hear, they think, oh, my, that means you're for prostitution and mm-hmm. drug abuse. Well, you know, that's not the case at all. You know, a lot of people that don't know what they are, a lot of people might turn out to be libertarians. You know, the libertarian well, party used to give this little quiz. And it was, right. And it was 10 questions about social freedom and 10 questions about economic freedom and uh, if you scored you know uh, scored all 10 questions in favor no it's five questions on economic freedom and five questions on social, on social freedom it was a real easy little mm-hmm. 10 question quiz and uh, you know i i scored 95 i think on the thing that, yeah the one the one thing the one thing i didn't agree with my my libertarian brethren on was open borders you mm-hmm. know i have never been an open borders guy but uh, those of you who believe in individual liberty, whether it's the liberty to buy things that you want, to sell things that you want, long as you're not hurting other people, long as you're being honest, if you can go and do economics the way that you want without mm-hmm. the government telling you what to do, live your life right. the way you want to, with, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, 
then the government shouldn't be interfering in your decisions and your right. personal life. Right, right. And, the, and, and, and a lot of people don't realize they're libertarians. And, you know, this is a common problem. <clears throat> Pardon me. This is a common problem of people not really realizing what they are. Let me tell you a little story. Some okay. of you probably already heard this, but there's an old cowboy goes into a bar and he orders a drink. And he sits there sipping his whiskey, and a young lady sits down next to him. And she turns to the cowboy, and she asks him, are you a real cowboy? He goes, well, ma'am, I spent my whole life on the ranch herding horses, mending fences, branding cattle. So I guess I am. She says, I'm a lesbian. I spend my whole day thinking about women. As soon as I get up in the morning, I think about women. When I shower or watch TV, everything seems to make me think of women. A little while later, a couple sits down next to the old cowboy and asks him, Are you a real cowboy? He says, Well, I always thought I was, but I just found out I'm a lesbian. So anyway, you know, you might find out um, that you didn't even know you were a libertarian. Well, well and what it comes down to, I think, is a lot of us, we haven't been exposed to, to the ideas of about about what government should do and 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 because we a lot of times we've been kind of we've heard one side of the issue we've heard well government should do good things they should do all sorts of things as opposed to you know really i only want government to do things that will actually defend liberty and justice defend people's rights that's all i want government to do i've heard i've heard a lot of my fellow arkansans in the past say i want the government to build roads deliver the mail and protect the shores and otherwise stay out of my life i don't want them i don't want them delivering mail but uh, i mean <laughs> well, they're not doing a real great job at that compared right, to private and I, I would voluntarily pay for roads you don't have to point a gun at me to, to pay to make me pay for that and um the, but at the end of the day i don't want government um doing good works in the sense of charity programs or just um other other, other civics programs and or or or, um, or or recreational programs. I don't want government doing that because when government does that, you mean you don't want the government to build you a bike path? I don't want the government to build me a bike path. I don't, I don't want them to build me a park either. Well, you lost a lot of friends. Right I, there, I, su- I suppose so. But at the end of the day, I, I don't want the government <coughs> to take money from 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 me or my neighbors to build churches. I don't want the government to take money from me or my neighbors to to, to build. Um, the sports stadiums you know i love football i really love football Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's fair that the government forces my not football loving neighbors to build the football stadium right but but the thing is i don't think it's fair they charge me to build their dang golf courses i wish that golfers (laughs) would pay for their own golf and and not make me as a citizen right like right you know they're they're in conway close to where i live they've the, the the people who play tennis have somehow managed to get the the city government there to 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 um to steal a bunch of money from from the other Conway residents and those who spend their money money and buying stuff at the stores in Conway to to build tennis courts. Yeah. The, the eighteen people in Conway who want to play tennis are are now being subsidized by the rest of the people <laughs> who, who who don't care a hoot about. But tennis. it's only a few pennies. Of from course, you, it's Paul. just a few pennies from from me. But if someone comes up on the on the side of the road and points a gun at you and says, "I want ten cents." Would you give it to him? Well, let's see what Kenny thinks about it. Kenny wants to join the conversation. Come on in, Kenny. We're glad to have you on the Dave Ellswick show today. Tell us what you think. Oh, what do I think? Oh, man. <laughs> hey, Kenny. Uh, I think people need to uh, – hey, hey, Paul, Paul, and I forgot the, actually the name of Dave's Carl. substitute there. I've been listening off and on from work, uh, but I kind of got the gist of what it is. 
Uh, yeah, we definitely need to uh, vote out a lot of uh, pretty much all the Democrats and most of the Republican Party. <laughs> hey, man, uh, you're singing my song. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, so far the best uh, way to do that is, as we've seen with uh, like Senator Rand Paul with Ted Cruz, is to is to fight these conservatives in these GOP primaries. Uh, of course, there's one in Arkansas coming up May 22nd, and uh, right now the biggest uh, instigator of government uh, increases is our our, uh, our fake Republican Rhino Governor Asa Hutchinson, who uh, he's getting has a little bit called- of competition. Yeah, yeah, and then, of course Jan Morgan is, is the one running against him. Um, I understand and she's course, armed to the teeth too. <laughs> yes, yes, but she. And, and the thing is, before she dealt besides the gun issue, which she's most popular for, she also was a journalist, where she talked about a lot of the waste and corruption that's been involved in government as well. And that's one of the things I want to get is to is to find these candidates that have actually have a record of doing something in terms of fighting against the government. Uh, in the increasing of the size and scope of government and stop uh, and we need to get people to stop looking at inspiring speeches or slick mailers that are what we call carefully crafted language financed by washington dc establishment and Barack Obama elected didn't it <laughs> yeah exactly so, and so, a so lot Kenny, of i'm gonna have to here. disagree with you a little bit here see we to call asa hutchinson a rhino and other big government republicans rhinos i think that might be a misnomer because at the end of the day i think they're the they're the majority of the of the republicans now and so i think maybe the real republicans are basically socialists no i call, maybe <laughs> i call them fake conservative republicans because well, every election they they pretend to be fake uh, they and, and pretend I, to be conservative and i'm, and I'm teasing and to not, some extent here but but at the yeah, end of the day yeah. I, I think we we've got a choice right now between Red socialism, which would be the Republicans, or blue socialism, which is the Democrats, and the, by and large, the Republican Party they support socialism, and it's just a different flavor with a different food coloring on it. But at the end of the day, it's still socialism or fascism, whichever you prefer, maybe a mixture of both. Yeah, I do wish some of the libertarians would kind of uh, look more toward trying to at least get involved in some of these GOP primaries. And, and, you know, help out a candidate that may be the difference between Obamacare, Medicaid expansion here being spent, mm-hmm. being passed or not. I mean, we almost blocked the budget for that one session. It was down by two senators. And, uh, and of course, and like, like I said, you know, if you think the, if you truly think the Republican Democrat Party are one of the lesser two evils, you have a chance to at least, uh, vote for the lesser of two evils and the less of the lesser of two evils. And then you can vote L in the general primary. Who well, I believe Mark West is the guy running for governor there right. at, uh, yeah, and, and there may be some other independents right, as well. In, in I don't Ar- know where they stand. In Arkansas, the Libertarians do not have a primary. They they actually select their candidates through a different process. So the these libert- are convention. So Libertarians yeah, themselves. Yeah, they convention. I actually filmed that, uh, which you can see online. Um, but, yeah, they, they pick their guy there. And and then, of course, these state uh, primary, uh, legislative races as well. And there's also some tax increases that are being done. Uh, these school millages, we fortunately were able to at least force them to in the, gen- in the pay pri- pri- May primary or general election. I know there's one in Fort Smith that Joey McCutcheon's been fighting against for a long time. That's been scheduled. And there may be half a dozen others. And a handful of activists who, who decide to, to quit giving excuses about being too busy or, or you know, decide they actually want to get involved and with a little bit of money and time can make the difference in some of these small elections. Where yep. They've been decided by, you know, of course, the one I, I campaigned against in Bright was defeated by eight votes. Wow. Uh, and I've, I've seen some that were technically a tie, and because the tax requires a majority, they were able to be defeated. Wow. So 
uh, yeah, we definitely need to get people to get more involved, get maybe a little bit out of their comfort zone, donate some time and money to whoever it is that's fighting against, uh, fighting to reduce the size and scope of government. And I did a kind of a rant on the omnibus bill that should have been blocked at least once mm-hmm. uh, by Trump and the Republicans. And, and I mean, Trump, I'm, I'm sorry, but he kind of failed on this one, too. He's, there's some things he's done that, that have reduced the size and scope of government, as obnoxious as he is. But this today, he, he was a failure. He should have vetoed that. Did, that did he raise the level? Of, did, did he raise the, the level of scum in the swamp by another couple inches? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it almost seems to negate a lot of what he's done because he was up until then, you know, dealing with a lot of things and actually did some substantial cuts in some areas. But I mean, the you know, and he talks about well, we had to do this to secure our country, but it doesn't even fund the one thing that you do have to have in order to have a nation, which is an actual secure border. Um, yeah, now that's one of the that, things. That, yeah, yeah. Now that's what's on, another thing where the libertarian I mean the libertarians kind of differ because they think you can just have an somehow have an open border and a free economic system, and that is physically impossible. That has never existed anywhere. Uh, every nation, every state, every sanctuary city or state or nation that has tried that has failed. Uh, I think you're you're dead right, Kenny. That's that's the one thing, as I said, that's the one thing that I disagreed with my uh, libertarian brethren on is the open borders. You can't have a country if you don't have a border, and you don't have a border if you don't secure it. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, But anyway, you can check out my rants on a YouTube account, Keep Arkansas Legal. I think I also posted a link on my rant today to your Facebook to the Facebook live stream here. Um, I got to get off and actually get back to work. Kenny, we're glad Uh, to have you with us today. Thanks for coming in and joining the conversation. We're glad to have you. Sure. Absolutely. And you know, I'm uh, kind of agreeing with him. I got to tell you that I still go back to my opinion on the Republicans and Democrats. The Democrats are foolishly driving us towards the cliff of socialism at a hundred miles an hour, but those conservative Republicans are only driving us the same direction at 80. Okay, Uh, Alan, hold on, please. We're going to come to you right after the short break. And welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show on The Answer. And since Alan was so kind as to hold through the break, let's go right to Alan first off. Alan, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. We're glad to have you on. Talk to me, my friend. Well, thank you. I I was just thinking Trump has got to play the cards he was dealt. We sent a bunch of new legislators up there who said they were conservative and they were going to back him all the way and they were going to do this conservative and that conservative and they where did they go they've dropped in line behind the old school democrats and republicans that are up there until we get this them all rotated out them that have been there 20 years 30 years 40 years some more than that well alan do you get out of there they're professionals Alan, do you think that term limits would be a good solution to what you're talking about? Oh, absolutely, but good luck doing that. We're going to have to put in a whole new bunch in again this election. I don't, We're I, just going to have to keep getting turning it over until we get some that actually do right. Uh, you know, Alan, I'm, I'm just guessing that you're old enough to remember the election cycle in 1992, but uh, you may remember if you are closer to my age and remember 92 and even before that that when the republicans first no it was 94 excuse me the election cycle of uh, 1994 when the republicans took over congress for the first time since i'd been in diapers and when they took over they took over with the contract for america 
And yeah. one of the things that they promised in the contract for America was that they were going to vote on term limits. Well, of course, you know, it didn't matter that they passed it in the House. They'd never get the super majority that they need to get past the filibuster and get it in the Senate. So it never happened. But one thing that right. surprised me was how many of those guys, because we had a huge number of new Republicans that were first-time congressmen in 1995 after the 94 election, and, and those guys were practically all elected on a promise of term limits that they were going to serve six years and then stop. Yep. And, and, and how many of those guys and how many of those guys got to the end of the six years and decided that their constituents really needed them and that they'd forgive them for breaking their term limits pledge? Any idea how many of them did that? All of them. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> just seemed uh, like it. <laughs> uh, the, Dr. Tom Coburn, uh, uh, OBGYN yep. from Oklahoma got to the end of the six years, would have ended it with the 2000 election cycle, ended his term in January of um, 2001. And Tom Coburn said, I promised to, to stay six years and then go home. I'm, I'm keeping yep. my promise. And he was one of the best men there. He's one of the few I'd have been sorry to see go, but he left. And then he came back about two or four years later and ran for the Senate and won a Senate seat. And he was one of the best men in the Senate, which I realize is damning him with faint praise. But until he had a, a cancer uh, treatment that he had yep. to take, and he dropped out for that. But he was, he was a good man. And besides being one of the most conservative and best people in the Senate, uh, he was one of the very few that kept that term limits pledge. Well, we I, we just need new blood in there, and the the old blood as is set in their ways, and they they're now <laughs> making good money doing this, which that should never happen. Isn't it amazing how many of them get filthy rich? I made the mistake of voting for Ross Perot. Ah, uh, my mom and dad regretted that for I, the rest of their lives because yep. they got Bill Clinton and they decided it wasn't no worth doubt. it. Absolutely. He had to get rid of the lobbyists. I wanted that gone. Yeah. I mean, where else in the United States or in any country can you get away with bribing people and not get hung or get in worse trouble? But, but isn't that the American way now? How many politicians... That's, that you, but but not only do they to. bribe people, they bribe people with tax dollars. Yes. I mean, it's, it, you'll go to jail if you bribe people with your own money, but if you bribe people with tax dollars, then a lot of times that's pretty much par for the course. That's what we've been looking for. <laughs> Sign that man up. <laughs> well, Alan, before we get to the bottom of the half hour, I've got to tell you a short story here. Uh, because sometimes... No, no, now, wait a minute. I already learned that I was a conservative lesbian. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, this is, this is almost this is almost that good. See, uh, you know, Plato in his Republic wrote that the state is the soul writ large, and uh, the guys that wrote Plato and a platypus walk into a bar used this story to illustrate that. At a meeting of the college faculty, an angel suddenly appears and tells the head of the philosophy department, "I will grant you whichever of three blessings you choose: wisdom, beauty, or ten million dollars." Immediately, the professor chooses wisdom. There is a flash of lightning, and the professor appears transformed. But he just sits there staring down at the table, and one of his colleagues whispers, Say something. And the professor says, I should have taken the money. <laughs> Thanks for calling us, Alan. We're delighted to have you as a listener to the Dave Ellswick Show. And do come back and call back on Monday when Dave's here. I guarantee you the show will be a lot better. 
<laughs> oh, I don't know. It's it, pretty good this time. Well, very kind, Alan. Any final thoughts before you go? We got about twenty seconds. Nope. I said my piece. I've found out what I'm what gender I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again for calling, Alan. Nice to have you, you with us. Bye. All right. We're just down to the last few seconds for you. Any thoughts before we uh, break for news for you, Paul? Um, oh, we got a minute left. Down um, to the last minute. So a profound uh, thought uh, from you. I don't know. We, we've we've just got. Uh, we need to to correct morality in this country. We, we we're like we were starting off saying earlier. Uh, I think it was um, Walter Williams. Walter Williams. The, mm-hmm. the um, you can follow him on Facebook, by the way. Yeah. And, um, Great America. We've got a serious problem with a lack of morality. Therefore, we want government to do bad things. We mm-hmm. we want it. We don't want liberty. We we want government to do stuff for us that we had, have no business having government do for us. Well, and that's the problem is that there are just too many people like that that get to vote, and they get to cancel our vote out wanting bigger government. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk more about this and other exciting, fun stuff when we come back after the bottom of the hour break. Hey, welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show here on The Answer. Carl Kimball sitting in for Dave on a Friday afternoon. Get better soon, Dave. We're looking forward to having you back on Monday. And We've been talking about various topics this afternoon, including uh, we were just talking about our Congress and this massive porculous bill that they've added another trillion dollars to our debt with. And uh, I want to thank Alan for calling in. We were talking with Alan about how much we need to have term limits, get rid of some of these guys down there because they, they just get settled in and entrenched and man, they got theirs and they don't care how much the rest of us get punished by the ever growing size of government because, because they love their jobs and they just won't leave them. I I got a little story I want to tell you, Paul, about, about uh, someone that felt kind of that way. His name's Garwood. Garwood goes into a psychiatrist where he complains he can never get a girlfriend. And no wonder the shrink says, you smell awful. <laughs> says, yeah, you said it. That's because of my job. I work in the circus, following the elephants around and cleaning up their droppings. No matter how much I wash, the stink sticks to me. The psychiatrist says, so quit your job and get another one. Garwood retorts, are you crazy? And get out of show business? <laughs> We got a lot of guys in show business down there in Washington, D.C., and man, no matter how much that elephant stink gets on them, they just will not give up that job. It's just it's just so glamorous being in that business. Unfortunately, too many of them actually waller in it, too. They don't they don't oh, just pick it up man. and throw it away. I'm, I'm afraid they put it in their pillows at night. And, and you notice that these guys that make $145,000, $175,000 a year go down there, and in 10 years they become millionaires. Hey, well, how does that happen? Oh. You know, the, some of the richest people in Congress include Nancy Pelosi. What a surprise. Because, uh, of course, partly because, you know, insider trading like Martha Stewart went to jail mm-hmm. for. It's, that, it's legal for Congress. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't apply to Congress. <laughs> and, of course, they know what they're passing and what's going to advantage well, things. So, so anyway, we've, we've been hitting that topic. But there's another thing that's been real big in the news this week that I know you've got strong feelings about. And uh, that's the idea that Trump has kind of ter- done a 180-degree turn from both policies practiced in the last 20 years and, and is starting to put tariffs on. Mm. Uh, just signed some tariffs on China wow. in, into effect just recently. Here, just as a matter of fact, yesterday. Now, 
Tell us what you think about tariffs, Paul. Well, I, I think tariffs are, are basically a form of isolationism. You know, Republican when Republican well, sorry when when Ron Paul ran for the Republican ticket for the presidency back several years ago, he was accused of being an isolationist because he didn't want our government to intervene militarily in a lot of other countries' business. But the reality is that many Republicans actually do favor isolationism, and they they favor it in the form of tariffs, and. For the purposes of – they like the tariffs for the purposes of protecting um, uh, a domestic industry such as the steel steel industry or, or perhaps other industries. And so what they do is they get the federal government to enact tariffs for the purposes of protecting them from, from competition effectively. But, Paul, have you no compassion for the people that work for the buggy whip manufacturers? Well <laughs> – I have compassion for everybody, and at the end of the day, I, I don't want to, to 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 violate the rights of uh, of the people who who buy buggy whips, perhaps, <laughs> in favor of in, in favor of of the people who make buggy whips. I want the free markets to dec- to determine how much a buggy whip should cost, and and if there's no demand for buggy whips, I don't think the gov- federal government should should prop up the buggy whip business or the buggy buggy wheel business or the or the um, saddle business or the of course, the, one of the reasons why uh, our steel industry is in such bad shape is because other governments are subsidizing the building of or the manufacture of, of excess steel capacity that they are unloading on us at less than cost mm-hmm. in order to put our businesses out of business. Right. And, and if, 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 the, if they truly are – trying to make war on us with their steel industries, then I think the, the better approach is to, to use a um, – uh, what do they call that? The, the, um, they block all trade. What is that called? Um, a t- uh, embargo. Embargo, yes, I think it's what you call it. And so I, I think Thomas embargo, Jefferson did one against France in 1807, well, so, so and I, it turned out to be a disaster. Well, I think, a, I think an embargo <laughs> is, is more principled in, in nature than a, than a tariff because a tariff basically enriches the government. For the purposes of, of um, protectionism, whereas an embargo, you know, if, if we're at war with somebody or someone's at war with us, why would we want to trade with them at all? See, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that a lot of Democrats scoffed and made fun of Donald Trump for saying last week, if you don't have steel, you don't have a country, which on the face of it, that may sound a little absurd. But if you think well, about well, it, steel is incredibly in, useful. I use it on know, a pretty it, regular basis. I'm a welder. Uh, yeah, and, and if you think that if we wanted to defend our country, you can't make tanks without steel. You can't make – I started to say battleships. Of course, they're obsolete. You can't make guided missile cruisers <laughs> without steel. The, the things that we need Steel's, to protect our country are so many of them made out of steel right. that if we don't have any domestic steel production whatsoever – and and we're dependent on other countries to have steel. Then, if we got into a situation where right. we, we, we could, needed we could it, be behind, we, it? we could be behind in a hurry. So I, th- I think there's solutions to that without without the federal government intervening in the, in the market system. I think you know if, if the markets dictate that that we can't keep our high union wages for steel for the steel industry, then maybe the the, the wages may have to be cut, or it may just be that that the federal government, if for security reasons, could buy some of the steel industries. For making ships and whatever else, for security reasons, but I, I'm not in favor of the government propping up industries for political reasons and for and simple protectionism. I think that's frankly wrong. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but here's something that I think is at least food for thought. Uh, again, from today's newspaper, uh, quoting Trump from yesterday when he signed these China tariffs, and he said, 
the word, this is quoting Trump now, the word I want to use is reciprocal. If they charge us, we charge them the same. Now, is that fair? If we're only countering what somebody else is doing to us, somebody else is doing something to us, and then we're putting up an equal barrier to them. Do you think that's fair? No, I think it's dumb. I think it's it's, a, I think it's straight up stupid. So so what happens is what you have is you have, um, so let's say we're selling tennis shoes, and the Chinese government doesn't like us to sell their sell our tennis shoes in to the Chinese people. And so what the Chinese government does is they 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 basically screw their own people by saying you know what you're gonna have to pay an extra extra ten dollars every time you buy an American tennis shoe. And um, and so in response to that, maybe China sells um, televisions to us. And so that in response to that, our government says, you know what? Since since the Chinese Chinese government screws their people when they buy American tennis shoes, I guess we're going to screw our people when 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 they buy um, Chinese televisions. And so the solution is that the American people get hurt twice because because Chinese the Chinese government puts a tariff on the tennis shoes that they sell. Now the U.S. government put, puts a tariff on the televisions that they're buying from China. That doesn't help the American people. Now, if there's an actual um, economic war going on, they're, they're actually trying to harm us, use, use an embargo. We're not going to trade with you at all because you're evil people. You're trying to hurt us. That's I think that's more, a, a, more of a principled approach as opposed to a tit-for-tat little um, spat like a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, now, there's an isolationist impulse. If we stop doing business with evil countries, <laughs> we're going to be doing business with ourselves. Right, and, and that's, that's that's kind of the, the idea, though, is that we're, we're, we're trying to, to stop. We're trying to, to, to level the playing field. Isn't that what Democrats want? I don't want to level the playing field. The, the fact is we're different. I can do some things better than other people can do. I don't want the government to level the playing field. That might mean they're going to cut six inches off my feet. Equal mediocrity. <laughs> right. No, I, I, don't, I don't want government to level the playing field. Some people can – Well, they sure don't level the playing field in the NBA, do they? Uh, no, they don't. I don't want them to. The, the fact is – No, that, I don't either. The fact is there are some countries in the world that are probably far better suited to making certain things than America is because their resources are different or their whatever it may be. You know, I, I don't know. What is it? Colombia makes really good coffee, perhaps, and oh yeah, and we maybe just not maybe we just don't we don't have, have the, we don't have the climate for it. maybe we just don't have a climate for, for and, and you know we don't have the climate for sugar either. But the government props up our sugar industry and, every year, and that's probably one of the, a good example, perhaps, of, of of the government being stupid. Look, we don't have a good place to grow sugar. And, Let's and, buy it from somewhere else no, where no, they have a good place. No, to we grow have it. great places to grow corn, mm -hmm. and, and and yet we're taking corn. And turning it into yes, low-grade, we we're turning it into low-grade fuel. Whereas, and and when you do it with corn, you're taking the actual food part of it to mm -hmm. turn into it. Whereas with sugarcane, after the food's taken out, you take the roughage that you'd normally throw away, mm -hmm. and you turn that into, a into fuel ethanol. Source. So mm -hmm. if it if it made any sense to use ethanol in our gasoline, which I think is debatable to begin with, right. but, but if it does make sense to use ethanol in our gasoline, it makes an awful lot more sense to use ethanol that's made from the throwaway part of right, the plant as opposed, that, to, the as opposed actual... to the food, right. because they make tacos more expensive, they make <laughs> They make animal fodder more expensive and therefore mm. steak more expensive, whereas they could be using the throwaway part. But 
To do that, they'd need to be getting the throwaway part of the cane to make ethanol from, from Brazil or Cuba or someplace that has the climate right. for making sugar cane, which, right. except for very small parts, but very politically powerful parts mm-hmm. of our country, they don't. Right. So, so, we, so we're propping up industries that hadn't ought to be propped up because they're inefficient here. Yeah. Let, let them go away. It, I can understand maybe the steel industry needs needs something so we can have it for national security reasons, but we can do that without actually giving protectionism to, to local industries that just want to get richer. Now, much as I'm enjoying this, let me just insert here just for a second. As much fun as I have talking about these things with Paul and as enlightening, I think, as what he has to say is, we'd welcome you joining us too. So if you're out there listening to any of Dave's regulars or anybody else who stumbled across the show here, Carl Kimball on the Dave Ellswick Show on a Friday afternoon, if you'd like to come in and join the conversation, you can call us at 823 823- 0965. We'd be glad to hear from you and get your opinion on these things too. Now, uh, and sort of a related issue, Paul, but something that's just also about our relations with China and our mm-hmm. trade with China. What about intellectual property? Because, you know, the United States, we can't, because of labor costs and because of, of various things, we can't compete in making tennis shoes. We can't right. compete in making shirts. We can't compete and grow in sugar cane. There are a lot of things that just in today's day and age, we're not going to compete in the world market very mm-hmm. successfully. Because, of, because our government has gotten in the way and made it illegal for us to compete in many, but, many cases. Uh, things that the United States is unexcelled in are things like movies or, or, or like uh, uh, guided missile technology. We freaking gave that to the Chinese in exchange for bags of illegal campaign cash put on D- Bill Clinton re-election headquarters. And, and that, that, would, that would fall into the category, yeah. category perhaps of secrets. Yeah. So, so that's – intellectual property is an interesting thing because, you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, if I have a – let's say I have a restaurant and I'm using grandma's secret recipe to, build, to make chili – that's that's an intellectual property that's a secret, and I don't tell anybody that recipe. Now, let's say I tell two people, maybe I have, I have some cooks, I tell two of them how to make the how to make it. But uh, under the contract, I make them sign a contract saying they will not tell anybody what it is. And if they do, they, they're violating my rights. They're violating the the, the terms of the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be an intellectual property dispute okay. on, on now, some level now let's say but that, that's that's a little different from the typical use of the term intellectual property okay but let, let, let's just you know using that same example now mm-hmm. let's say that your chili is so fantastic right that there is a great market for it right and there are so many people in china that you know if you could sell that chili in mm-hmm. china you'd be raking it in because right. your chili's wonderful and let's right. just say for hypothetical i don't know if they do but probably not let's for mm-hmm. hypothetical purposes say that Chinese people like chili and and you decided you were going to sell in China. The way things are now, if you wanted to open up a factory and make that chili in China Mm -hmm. and sell to the Chinese people, the Chinese would require you to give them the The recipe recipe in order to to do business. And they're they're not a free society. They're a bunch of communist thugs over there, perhaps. And so so I might decide, you know what, I'm not going to give it to them. I'm not going to sell it it to the Chinese people over there because I don't want to give up my, my, my secret recipe. Um, but intellectual property is an interesting issue because but but the thing is though in in America when we think about intellectual property we generally think of patents and copyrights and whatnot and um, and there's a lot of that that they that they either steal or force companies to give up in order to do, to business, do business there right so intellectual property rights from that standpoint I think is it, it, I've got a problem with it in many respects because let's say let's say my neighbor is 
maybe he's, he he figures out a way to grow corn very efficiently. Now he spends twenty years figuring out this 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 method of growing corn, and um, it, so it's a process, a manufacturing process, perhaps. But in this case, it's actually an agricultural process that that allows him to be a lot more efficient. So the idea of intellectual property is that he would be allowed to get a patent on this process for growing corn from, on a principle standpoint. I mean, he may not actually be able to do it in real life from a legal standpoint, but in, on principle, he, he would he would on get the a contrary, patent. I think that kind of thing's done all the time. It, it is in manufacturing. I don't know so much about uh, Yeah, the, the, you, ask the guys that sell dicamba. You know, dicamba? I don't know not, what that is. Okay, we'll get back to that okay. later. But it, it, it's an agricultural the product. product. Right, okay. And so, so – so so my neighbor goes out and he figures out a really good way to grow corn and I and he tells me about it. He's he's happy about it. And he tells me about it. So I hey, that's a good idea. So I start doing it myself. But then he goes to the government and says, I, I don't want Paul Calvert to compete with me. And, and so I want you to put him in jail because he's using my idea that it took me twenty years to figure out. But it doesn't but he didn't steal anything from me. He just he just used my idea that I that I told him about. And so I, I think that's the nature of intellectual property in America. The idea of patents is that we make it illegal for people to compete with us um, using similar ideas or similar practices. And, and I think that in itself is is a violation of um, the general right of, of liberty. Is, is if if I don't have a secret, if I haven't, someone hasn't broken in and stolen my secret, I've, I've told it freely. I, I, I've got to say, Paul, you're more libertarian than any of the officially libertarian <laughs> libertarians I think that I've known, at least in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea of this with uh, with China is that, like, say, if somebody makes a movie, they could make a lot of money off that right. movie shown in China, but the Chinese just steal it and show it, and right. the Chinese make money off it, right. and, so, and so the they, guy that so, made the movie so they, gets so they, they, buy, they buy one they buy one uh, copy of the movie, and they, they, they spread sort it Sort of that thing. Right. Now, we got to take one more break for the top of the hour because we kind of went long in that segment, so we're going to take that right now, and we'll be right back. Well, here we are, back for the last few minutes of this hour on the Dave Ellswick Show. And, man, we've been talking about intellectual property and tariffs and all that terribly exciting stuff. Hope we're not boring you all to death. But if you do want to call in, join us. We'd be glad to have you, 823-0965. Now, you know, sometimes— yeah. you know, They can call in and tell me, tell me how wrong I am about, about wanting economic liberty in spite of the— well, A lot of people of believe that. In spite of— um, intellectual property. I got to admit, you even scare me sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's easy sometimes to get carried away and make a Freudian slip, you know, and let something loose that you didn't really mean to. Here's a story about a guy who goes to see his therapist. Therapist asks his patient how his visit with his mother went. Patient says, it didn't go well at all. I made a terrible Freudian slip. Says really? Said the therapist. What did you say? Says well, what I meant to say was please pass the salt. But what I said was you bleep, you ruined my life. Oh, so you know, um. got to be careful not to have a slip and you know let how you really feel come out here. Sometimes letting out how you really feel can get you in trouble, especially with all those snowflakes who think the government ought to be taking care of them, huh? Well. Uh- Expose them to the truth. I think it's uh, it, it's almost always good for people to be All exposed right. to the truth. Well, we're down to just our last couple of minutes here in uh, the third hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. So before we wrap for Fox News, have you got any last thoughts you want to give us on tariffs or intellectual property? Do you think it's okay for the Chinese to buy one copy of a movie and, 
and then copy it and give well, it, sell it themselves and not cut well, out uh, all I, those famous actors and movie producers? Well, I, I can't think of any good reason to, to pay these famous actors millions, <laughs> millions of dollars because I, I think a lot of them are, are people that, that really don't contribute much from a, from a moral standpoint to <laughs> yeah, society. We could go on all afternoon and, about that. And so, and so, but the thing is, so I, I think the idea of, of punishing someone because they, they manufacture something exactly exact same way that you have i think is i think it's very antithetical and very against the idea of free markets and so let's say i come up with a a, a new design for um for building cars perhaps perhaps and mm-hmm. so i've got this neat little car that i've built and it's really efficient and i tell it tell the world about it it's a really cool design and then i get a patent and i tell basically the rest of the world you can't build this and i'm only going to build five a year so the government will put everybody else in jail who tries to build a car like mine because I've got a patent on it. I think that's wrong. Boy, a lot of people would want that car. They would. Perhaps so. Maybe it's a junky, worthless piece of junk, but maybe it's an actual good car that's actually worth something, but I've got a patent on it, and I only, only build five a year. And But the government will put okay. anyone in jail who who well, tries to build one like uh, mine. All right. Well, speaking of worthless pieces of junk, let's talk about Sean Penn for a minute. Okay. You know, we we were talking about intellectual property. You say, "Oh, you didn't care if all those movie stars didn't get anything." <laughs> From that, did you hear that Sean Penn says that he may not make any more movies? That he's he's mm. he's no longer enamored of Hollywood, and he thinks mm. he's not going to make movies. Will anymore. we lose anything? Uh, no, nah, not not in my book particularly. <laughs> no, no, no. I just wish that we get a few more people to go with him. All right. Well, here yeah. we are. Thanks for joining us on the Dave Ellswick Show. One more exciting hour to go. We're awful glad to have you with us here. We're going to break in just a few seconds for Fox News at the top of the hour. And when we come back about six after, we'd love to have you come with us. Call us at the Dave Ellswick Show. Take care. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show on 96.5 FM, The Answer. And this is Carl Kimball along with his esteemed sidekick, Paul Calvert, Sitting in for Dave while he's absent. Get well soon, Dave. Come back Monday. We can hardly wait. And in your absence, while Carl and Paul are uh, keeping the forum open here for you, we're kind of trying to stick to the kind of libertarian themes that fit in well with Dave's philosophy and uh, his general demeanor. So uh, we've been talking a lot about freedom, and we hope that you'll call in and give us your two bits worth. Come on, call in. Talk to us about what you think. Tell us we're all wet. Tell us you think we're way too conservative for you or that we're not near conservative enough for you. It doesn't matter. We're glad to hear from you. Call 823-0965 and you can get in on the answer with the Dave Ellswick show here. Okay, you know, it's so easy to misunderstand people. You know, a lot of times in these political discussions, we kind of talk past each other and we don't really, we're so busy with our own ideas about what ought to be done that, that we don't really, we don't really think, well enough about what the other person's saying. Well, here's a little story that's an example for you. Man's worried that his wife is losing her hearing, so he consults a doctor. The doctor suggests that he try a simple at-home test on her. So stand behind her and ask her a question, first from about 20 feet away and next from about 10 feet away and finally right behind her. Man thinks this is a good idea, so he goes home. He stands behind his wife. She's in the kitchen facing the stove, and he stands about 20 feet behind her. Says from the door, what's for dinner tonight? No answer. Comes up to 10 feet behind her. 
He says again, what's for dinner tonight? Still no answer. Finally, he comes up right behind her. He says, what's for dinner tonight? His wife turns around and says, for the third time, chicken. <laughs> somebody so, was know, hard of hearing. Yeah, somebody in the family was. You know, you just got to. He's got to keep an eye out for which one of you it is, okay? Well, we talked a lot about some libertarian subjects here. Let's switch over to another one that's kind of been in the news a lot lately. You know, and, and these school shootings have been so tragic and so heartbreaking. And I don't think there's any of us that wouldn't want to do something reasonable to try and save these kids' lives and to try and protect them. Who do, it's, it's like the argument over the environment, you know? Who isn't for clean air? Who isn't right. for clean water, you know? Right. Just because you're a libertarian and don't go along with every uh, climate change, let's all become socialists because the scientists say that it might be a half a degree cooler 50 years from now. Well, gosh, they can't tell us what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. They told me it was going to be convertible weather today, so I drove the convertible. <laughs> it's too cold and dark and gloomy, so... You know, they probably can't tell us what it's going to be like 50 years from now. So anyway, it's easy to be skeptical about these big government solutions. Right. But we all want to try and do something. Well, needless to say, in the wake of uh, these shootings earlier, and this is something Paul, uh, Dr. Walter Williams, uh, had talked about in his article that I read uh, a little of just before you got here. Mm -hmm. Uh, He talked about the people's reaction to this horrible, horrible Parkland shooting. And, of course— you know, these poor kids, are, I think they're being manipulated by people that want to use people's sorrow for them. Well, never let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah, that Rahm Emanuel, mm-hmm. 1993, if I remember, a good quote. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these people that don't want a crisis to go to waste are taking advantage of these kids because they can't be criticized. Who would want to criticize these kids who've been through this trauma? For standing up and saying what they wish could be done, it could be done. And so they're not criticizable, so they're sent out to be the face of this uh, attempt to try and change our gun laws. Now, a lot of people think that that's only common sense. Gee whiz, why do you need an assault rifle anyway? Why do you need, re- I mean, you know, you don't have to hunt for food, Paul. There's a grocery store down the street. Right, but- and you don't need to protect yourself. Gosh, there are police for that, you know. No, because when seconds count, the police are minutes away. Yeah. And so, um, and I think we have Doug House on the phone. Yeah, let's. Yeah, we got a state rep wants yeah, to weigh in on this, so we'll just we'll just let him go ahead and join us. And uh, hello, thank you, Representative Doug House. Thanks for calling in. Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying your program. I had thank to you. Uh, to get out and uh, with my rifle and hunt me some groceries for tonight. <laughs> oh, you know. Well, yeah, maybe you can keep yours. Wanted, yeah, well, but those people wanted money. They were not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you you went uh, hunting at Walmart? Well, no, no, I'm out there base right now on groceries. <laughs> but uh, you know, one of the little perks of uh, having served 38 years. And, and, Thank you uh, for your service, <laughs> sir. Hey, hey, you know, let, you know, a lot of your your radio listeners may not know this. Paul Calvert's down at that Capitol just about every time we have a committee meeting listening in and a lot of times contributing to the discussion so thank goodness someone uh, is he really really well yeah i'm you know i'm just a moron i couldn't get me a job talking on the radio (laughs) Uh, so um yeah i heard that comment a while ago Uh, but anyway uh i I did have a question about libertarianism and and it's always confused me um 
and, and Paul Paul knows me and, and knows how I feel about some things. I'm all for school choice that that people be able to to send their kids wherever they want to send them and all that and 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 all that. But how do libertarians feel when you've got something in your constitution that says you will maintain a public school system that's free to all children, or it says um, uh, now <clears throat> this is how you're going to dispense marijuana. And right. No, I think all, after all, y'all agreed to that, and uh, we all did. We all agreed in the second grade when you put something for a vote for the people, majority rules, that's what passed. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, wasn't the way I would have done it, probably wasn't the way you would have done it, but right. the way the people done it. Right. And as, so as, that's in the Constitution. Now, right. how do libertarians address that? Right. So as, as a legislator, you have to take an oath to uphold the Constitution. And so there's, there, there is that. And, and how do you deal with that? Um, the, the honesty aspects of, of taking an oath to uphold the Constitution are, are very important, and and so how, how how do you deal with that? It's it's a it's a mess. I, I don't I don't exactly know the know the answer to that question, but but I think you still have to to honor your oath. Well, I'll give you my answer, uh, Representative House, and that is that I am a very strong believer in constitutions. They are the bulwark of our liberty. And uh, I assure you that I take the importance of following the Constitution extremely seriously. And uh, that uh, $21 trillion uh, deficit that we now have at the federal government level, uh, my opinion is that somewhere between 20 and $21 trillion worth of that has been run up doing things that the federal government has absolutely no constitutional uh, right to do. So, you know, I, I I agree that while there are some things in our Constitution I don't like, uh, I would gladly put up with those if the government would, would follow just follow <laughs> the things in it that I do like. Right. Well, you know, and there's the state Constitution. Sure. Well. Right. And, 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 and uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, yeah. And well, the first of the program I got to listen to, y'all were talking about the marijuana. We're all right. disappointed that some folks took it to court, but that's exactly the way the people said they wanted it when they adopted that marital marijuana amendment. Right. And, you know, people fuss about schools. The Constitution of Arkansas says you will maintain a publicly funded, free, free to the students, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, public education. Right. So, um, and, and then... Uh, uh, you know, you have legal laws and, and that are passed by Congress, such as the environmental stuff that comes rolling downhill and, you know, from the EPA and then drops square on the RADEQ, and they have no other option but do what the federal government tells us to do by law. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've, I like everything in theory, but you run into these federal mandates and you run into these uh, constitutional restrictions and requirements and, you know, so I, I, I certainly do lean, lean libertarian, uh, but there is a limit how far we're allowed to go. Well, and, and how do we deal with that, for instance, with the when the federal government comes down with, with mandates on environmental issues and such as that? And, and I, I can I can see in some cases, for instance, where the federal government would have, have authority in cases such as where pollution might be going across state lines, because that's an interstate issue. And, and so you have the relationship sure. between states, whereas on the other hand, you know, if someone wants to to have a, uh, I I don't know, they're they're putting 
doing something kind of weird on their own property, but it doesn't actually ever leave their property. I, I, I fail to see how that could ever be a, a federal issue. It could maybe be a local issue, perhaps. But if it never leaves the state of Arkansas, I, I think it generally needs to be outside the purview of the federal government. So I think that would that would be a constitutionally um, uh, a constitutional problem for the federal government to intervene in those cases. But but I think there are some pol- pollution issues when you have. Um, runoff going into rivers that's actually going to cross state lines, and I think there may be some 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 justified um, in- intervention from the federal government. Well, getting back to the state level just for a second, uh, I got a question for Representative House, and you mentioned that sure. that you were a libertarian within within the constraints of things that you had to do because of your oath to uphold the Arkansas as well as the U.S. Constitution. And I have to respect that that you have to do as a representative, what you can within the bounds of the Constitution. But would you make me this pledge this afternoon within the bounds of what you are legally able to do within the Arkansas and your fealty to the Arkansas and the U.S. Constitution without violating those? Would you make me a pledge that you would vote for more freedom and against reducing human freedom in every way possible within those bounds? Well, I don't make any pledges to anybody to do anything, but I've never raised tax folk to raise taxes. And, um, you know, that's uh, I've been arguing to preserve our right to trial by jury and preserve our rights to liberties uh, time and time again in my five years down there. So uh, I just say instead of worrying about what I what I say, worry about what I do, and I think I've demonstrated by my right. conduct that's what I do do. And I thank you for that, uh, Representative. We yeah, appreciate Bible, you very much. Sure. The Bible says, let your yeses be yes and your noes be noes and swear by neither heaven nor Jerusalem. <laughs> you know, so uh, I don't I don't make pledges and promises. <laughs> God, bl- I, I God bless you, that. Representative. We appreciate you very much. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening to the Dave Ellswick Show, and Glad- we're grateful you called in this afternoon. I'm glad I could talk to another traveling man. Too. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Good to be talking to you. you have a wonderful day. And uh, uh-huh. now before we have to get our last break in, Bob has been very kind and patient and waiting while we talk to Representative House. Bob, thank you for calling the Dave Ellswick Show this afternoon. Tell us what you think. Well, I want to thank you for taking my call. Um, I was really enjoying your discussion with Representative House. Um, I have a little bit of an idea on a couple of things that, you know, the libertarian stance would be for when things aren't going the way that you think they should, like, say, the constitutional problem with Arkansas. I mean, one one very libertarian solution is to vote with your feet. You go someplace where the laws are more conducive to your personal freedom in the way that you find most important. I, I love that. I, I think that is uh, that's the reason California is losing people, and that's Absolutely. the reason Texas is gaining people. It is, and you know, there's a big problem with that. It, philosophically, it seeds territory as lost ground, and it concentrates and polarizes the country into areas that are eventually going to sort of crumble under their own weight of increasingly gross policies, but then you've got these other places where everything's great and people are going to go because they like it. They're going to spread their infectious breed of socialism right in there. So (laughs) while that libertarian solution is fine, up to a point, what you really need to do, and this is the main point I have, 
is that libertarian philosophy only holds up when there is an informed and engaged citizenry that is committed to the idea of personal liberty and individual responsibility. And if you don't have that, you can't have a meaningful and healthy republic. I think that's a brilliant point, Bob. Uh, that's that's a brilliant point. You could not institute a liberal uh, democratic government in Russia and have it work, can you? I mean, they tried it, and they're back to czarism. Right. Well, they're back to the, the oligarchs, right? Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're, what's the difference between Putin and a czar? Uh, he's he's very much really. like, uh, whether it's a czar or whether it's Joe Stalin— uh, because of their culture and their history, and and you know, the Russian culture seems unfortunately to lead to that type of of non democratic well, system. Uh, you institute a democratic well, system, and it gets corrupted and perverted from within. I mean, to be perfectly honest, if you're going to talk about the czars, Russia would almost be better under the czars because at least the czar is born and raised with a notion that they have a right and responsibility to rule. And they take they ostensibly would take their obligation to rule fairly seriously because it's a divine appointed mandate. Well, whereas that's it, spoken like they, a, a true monarchist. Whereas in America, well, exactly. we whereas in America we <laughs> well, whereas in America we we have a tendency to to lie to ourselves and tell tell ourselves that we're free when in reality we're we're kind of ruled by 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 oligarchs on some level and we're the, we are. we're we're but the problem is we're ruled we're not free. We're, we're we are, actually we're absolutely right, and and, and and to your point about people voting with their feet, that's that's a that's a possibility. But at the end of the day, though, we're not stopping the human rights violations. People could have said to the black no, people, right. people could have said to the black people in the South, "Well, yes, you're getting abused, and the and the and your your rights are being violated. You should just move." At the end of the day, a though, lot of them did. Some of them did, perhaps. But at the at, at the end of the day. Human rights violations are going on, and they're not being stopped. And so th- those Fair things point. need to stop. Well, that's why it's libertarianism and not anarchy, right? I mean, an- libertarians believe at their core that government and the state has a valid and good reason for existing, and it's specifically to protect the rights of people and nothing further. Right. But it- it's only when you start talking about, you know, totally hands-off. I mean, that's the false dichotomy that a lot of liberals would have us believe exists when right. you want to talk about libertarian ideas. Right, no. And, runs it, yeah, libertarians nothing, right? are not anarchists. Right, and so, so, that, and that's, right. so, so many times what it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's an either, either, either we have yeah, a, to, to, totalitarian government or we have um, anarchy. No, I don't want, I don't necessarily want anarchy from that perspective, but the but the end, no. at the end of the day, I, I don't want government to be my master either. But but that doesn't right. mean that I don't that I that I'm opposed to government um, putting murderers to death or to, to holding people accountable for theft or things of that nature. I, I want I want government to uphold rights, but I don't want government to uphold um, to, to 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 engage in charity. I don't want yeah, government some, to. Some of the best examples of libertarians in American history are George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. James Madison, he wasn't against government. He wrote the Constitution. He said if men were angels, they wouldn't <laughs> need government. And he gave us a government that was designed knowing that men were not angels 
And and one thing Barack Obama complained about about our Constitution was it was too full of negative rights. It was too full of what the government <laughs> couldn't do. do to us, and it didn't have anything in it about what the government had to do for us. Well, that was entirely a socialist point of view when he said that because the idea of the Constitution wasn't to – tell the government that, oh, you have to do this for the people. And that's, unfortunately, people put stuff like that in the Arkansas Constitution. And I don't remember now if that was an amendment or part of the original Constitution of 1874, but it, the representative brought that up about about education. Right. And that was an example of saying the government has to do this. Right. It's, it's a constitutional whereas, mandated whereas, welfare yeah, we're, program, we're a, basically. Whereas what the, the Constitution that James Madison gave us and that our founding fathers signed didn't have anything like that in it. It said the government can't do this to you. The government can't do that to you. And uh, right, right now, I think the only one of the ten amendments that form the Bill of Rights that's not violated on a regular and daily basis by the uh, federal government is boarding troops in people's <laughs> houses. houses in peacetime. <laughs> Bob, we got to take a break. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you for taking my call. It was an honor to talk to you. Bob, call back anytime. And you've been listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back to end up this half hour in just a few seconds. Nope, sorry, Dave's not back. He'll be here Monday, though. It's Carl Kimball and Paul Calvert. And listen, we had so much fun talking to Representative uh, House, and thank you for calling in and for – uh, Bob. Our, and for Bob, thank you for calling. It was good talking to you guys. We had so much fun. We ran almost up to the end. Before we hit that next hard break at the bottom of the hour, i got to tell you the story because we keep talking about people wanting someone else to pay for, for their stuff. Okay, little old Christian lady comes out on her front porch every morning, shouts, praise the Lord. And every morning, the atheist next door yells back, there is no God. And for, this goes on for weeks. Praise the Lord. There is no God. As time goes by, the lady runs into financial difficulties and has trouble buying food. So she goes out on the porch, and she asks God for help with the groceries and says, Praise the Lord. And the next morning, there's groceries on her porch. And she goes, Praise the Lord. The atheist jumps out from behind a bush and says, Ha! I bought those groceries. There is no God. The lady looks at him and smiles, and she shouts, Praise the Lord. Not only did you provide me with food, Lord, you made Satan pay for it. <laughs> Paul, you got something uh, you want to share with us yeah, in the next little, half hour? Teaser. Give us a little taste. So for a little teaser, there's a superintendent in Pennsylvania that had, had a solution for these school shooters. He's going to have the kids throw rocks at them. <laughs> you think that would work? It might. I don't know, but. 30 seconds. Tell so, so we've got we, – we don't actually want to, to do something sensible because we don't want to restore people's right to keep and bear arms in the classroom. We don't, we, don't want, we don't want the teachers to be able to protect kids in a sensible manner. So guess what? We're going to arm them with rocks. Well, I, some people would say that makes as much uh, sense as arming the teachers. We can talk about that a little next time too. But uh, as for right now, we got some exciting Fox News coming up with the latest. We'll be right back. Yes, and I know David would rather be spending this afternoon with you than what he's doing, but he'll be better soon. Hi, Dave. Mm-hmm. Get to feeling good soon, and, and he'll be back with any luck about 2.06 on Monday afternoon, and I know you'll be glad to get him back. But I'm honored and delighted to be sitting in for him this afternoon. Carl Kimball here with my buddy and sidekick Paul Calvert helping out. And, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, and we just can't get to all of it mm-hmm. because we're having so much fun being on the radio and talking to you guys about various philosophical and current interest topics. And uh, before we get to the next one, i got to say that, you know, it's, 
it's hard sometimes to decide who's right because hmm. sometimes you know you can both have good points. And here's a little story to illustrate that. Rabbi is holding court in his village. Shmuel stands up and pleads his case, saying, Rabbi, Itzak runs his sheep across my land every day, and it's ruining my crops. It's my land. It's not fair. The rabbi says, you're right. But then Itzak stands up and says, but Rabbi, going across his land is the only way my sheep can drink water from the pond. Without it, they'll die. For centuries, every shepherd has had a right of way on the land surrounding the pond, so I should too. And the rabbi says, you're right. The cleaning lady who's overheard all this says to the rabbi, but rabbi, they can't both be right. And the rabbi replies, you're right. <laughs> so, three, okay. Three different perspectives there, huh? So, okay, here we are. We're, we were talking just before the break about one of the most controversial subjects and one on which both sides have a lot to say and that's the idea of doing something to oh we've got to protect our children well let's right. we can protect them against gun violence we just take everybody's guns away from well, them right. well, and so, where's where's that happy medium in between that's, that's one solution if you don't believe in a free society but at, at the end okay. of the day though some of us actually do believe in a free society yeah. and if there's someone i know that believes in a free society it's paul calvert and paul had just given us a taste on an interesting uh, take from Someone go ahead and go ahead and read that opening again for those yeah, so, who might have just been joining. So us there's all. a rocky controversy when it comes to school safety in one Pennsylvania county. The superintendent of the Blue Mountain School District is in the spotlight after telling lawmakers in Harrisburg his students protect themselves against potential school shooters with rocks. Every a quote, every classroom has been equipped with a five gallon bucket of river river stone. If an armed intruder attempts to gain entrance into any of our classrooms, they will face a classroom full of students armed with rocks, and they will be stoned, said David Hessel, Dr. David Hessel, Helsel, I don't know how you pronounce it anyway, testifying to the House Education Committee last week in Harrisburg. So was he serious, or was He's that serious. satire? He's, He's serious? serious? Yes, really? Apparently, this is on 5 News Online. Lord. Dot com. <laughs> so so we, we've got a problem. We've got a problem in this country. We've we've turned schools into gun-free zones, and basically left children sitting ducks to be shot. Oh yeah! By by all these mass shootings occur in gun-free zones. You notice, right? Gen generally speaking, I think there's there's only one exception that's notable out there, and that was the Gabby Giffords case, which is actually well, that was outside in front of it, a it was outside, mall, yeah. and it was one of those cases I think where it's probably more akin to assassinate to an assassination attempt. And it just they happened to shoot a few other people in, in addition. So yeah. I don't I don't think that would really qualify as a, as a mass shooting in the that same sense. That wasn't really in the sense of, of the number of casualties. Right. But and you look at that guy in Colorado. He was in a theater that it, was a gun free zone. That theater was a gun free zone. The, the supposedly he he and and, and the, he probably drove past several and, that and, were in the restaurant or, massacre that happened in uh, Killian, Texas, that was in a restaurant that was a gun-free zone. Well, and, and so and so, what happens is we we don't hear of, of um, just mass shootings where you have someone going in just trying to kill a bunch of random strangers. Those don't happen in Walmarts. Walmarts are not gun-free zones. A, a Walmart store, I think their general policy is to allow anybody to carry a gun as, as leniently as the state where the store sits. 
And so if, if I want to come in carrying openly, Walmart doesn't bother me. I, I carry openly in Walmart from time to time. Oh, really? I do, and they don't bother me. I heard about someone getting kicked out. We'll see this. I think it was in... In Cersei? It was No, it was not in Arkansas, but I, I read in the paper just today or yesterday about some folks that were open carrying and got kicked out of... Was it a Walmart? or I don't think it was a Walmart, but hmm. got kicked out of some place. But anyway, go ahead. Right. So, so, so generally speaking, the, um, from what I understand, Walmart will allow people to carry as the state allows it according to state law and um but you don't see mass killings going on in walmart no not not as a general rule no no you don't occasionally someone might get shot in some place you never ever uh, hear of any mass shootings at gun shows shows. right that's the safest place in the world right right. you know if if having guns made you made you less safe you'd think a gun show would be pretty dangerous but of course they're not dangerous at all (laughs) no one ever gets killed at a gun show the most likely thing to happen at a gun show from a from from a from a life and death situation, maybe a heart attack when someone sees the price of that nice fancy new um, AR-15 or whatever it might be. Uh, Paul, it, it was a Walmart. It was not in Arkansas. Here, here's just a brief sentence okay. here. Uh, Fred Shelton, police chief in Columbus, Mississippi, said three men from Georgia who were observing open carry left without incident after store managers asked him to leave a Walmart because they were carrying an assault style rifle, a handgun, and a machete. Oh, so there's some open care. But you notice, you notice that to me, the interesting is, you notice they said that they left without incident. Without incident. Right. Right. So they yeah. say so, they weren't bothering people. They didn't hurt anybody. But at the end of the day, though, we don't see mass killings going on in those places. And so but this is a, a school there in Pennsylvania that decided well, they're going to they're going to try something, I guess. So so this is this to me, it kind of reminds me of of um, what they used to tell girls in in um, in colleges if someone's about to rape them to pee on themselves or, or, or throw up or something of that nature, why don't you just tell these girls to carry a gun? You know, if someone's about to rape you— Because they're under 21. And that's and part we're of the, raising the age. Like we've already raised right, the handgun and, and that's, age and to 21, And that's 21, part of the problem. You know, if, if, if your 17- or 18-year-old daughter is, is capable and responsible enough to go out in public and get a job where she's got to be at a gas station or something like after dark, why can't she carry a gun? Why on earth would you allow a, a 16 or 17 or 18-year-old girl to be out at night at a gas station being a clerk and not let her carry a pistol? Why on earth? Why is why does anybody have a problem with that? Why would anybody leave her vulnerable? Some people are just scared of guns, well, even when even when they're sitting in, in the holster of somebody who's competent to use them. They're just scared of them. Maybe so. but it, the, it, It's hard for me to believe that that guy that did the thing about rocks, it's hard for me to believe that— he wasn't being satirical and making a point by, uh, you know, illustrating absurdity by being absurd. I mean, maybe he was serious. No, I think he was serious. If he was serious, that's just astounding. It, no, it's, it's but the but the thing is, though, that so uh, if without the rocks, they'll be throwing cell phones or books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so rocks, I guess, are better than nothing. But why not, at the very least, allow, allow parents to carry when they're volunteering in school. Why not allow the teachers? You know, if you can trust, if you can trust your your, your yeah. child with a with a government employee, and, and all the teachers that say, you know, it's not my job. I shouldn't be expected to do that too. I don't. You know, that's not fair to ask me to do that. Hey, nobody's asking you. Nobody I have heard has proposed forcing any teacher to carry a gun that doesn't want to carry a gun. Right, but at the end of the day, but wh- why wouldn't are, we trust but, them? But ones that are licensed concealed carry holders anyway. That seemed like a no-brainer. And, and who've had, yeah, and you know, the, there was uh, uh, one case not very long ago 
where a teacher that was a concealed carry permit holder but had left his gun in his car because the gun it was a gun-free zone in the school right and the shooting started and he, he ran, ran out. out to the car got his gun and, and then came the in and stopped the thing and of course he was breaking the law when he, when he in came the, when he came, came back in the into the school and shot that 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 murder and sob and saved all those kids lives he was breaking the law of course he was following a higher law right defending human life yeah but at the end of the day though why would you not trust someone to carry a gun if you trust them to be with your children for six or eight hours a day okay we're going to take our last break here coming up so we got enough time for folks to call in if anybody wants to dispute paul's view on this or uh, challenge uh, this libertarian ideal or call agree with us doesn't matter uh you can ring us back at eight two three zero nine six five and get in on the last segment of the dave ellswick show if you got an opinion glad to have you glad to be sitting in for dave Thanks for the opportunity. Okay, Carl Kimball with Paul Calvert in for one last segment here before we call it a day. And, you know, but I, I got to say, before I, before I turn it back over to Paul for a comment he wanted to make, I just got to tell you that, you know, we give people a hard time here in the uh, right wing or libertarian community about wanting to put too much faith in the government and the government's predicting that, oh, you know, we got to turn to socialism or we'll all die from global warming and so forth. Here's a little story to give you a cautionary tale about following the government's determinations about the weather too much. See, it was autumn and the Indians on the reservation asked their new chief if it was going to be a cold winter. Raised in the ways of the modern world, the chief had never been taught the old secrets and had no way of knowing whether the winter would be cold or mild. To be on the safe side, he advised the tribe to collect plenty of wood to prepare for a cold winter. But a few days later, as a practical afterthought, he called the National Weather Service and asked whether they were forecasting a cold winter. The meteorologist replied that indeed... He thought the winter would be quite cold, so the chief advised the tribe to stock even more wood. A couple of weeks later, the chief checked in again with the weather service. Does it still look like a cold winter? Oh, it sure does. It looks like a very cold winter. chief advised the tribe to gather up every scrap of wood they could find. A couple of weeks later, the chief called the weather service again and asked how the winter was looking at that point. Meteorologist said, man, we're forecasting it will be one of the coldest winters on record. Really, said the chief? How can you be so sure? The meteorologist replied, the Indians are collecting wood like crazy. So be careful what you hear from the government, eh? Oh, Paul, you had a comment. Yeah. And you you also wanted to thank one of our previous callers, and I do too. Thanks to Representative House for giving us a call. Right. So so I wanted to just make a comment, kind of kudos to Doug House. He was, from what I understand, he was actually tasked with coming up with some, some solutions for the marijuana issue back during last legislative session um about a year ago and um he was opposed to this he was opposed to the marijuana amendment initially as most politicians and are. but but he he took on the task and um and tried to work with it and try i think he did a did a um uh i think he was conscientious about it and, and tried to go according to the constitutional provision that that the people voted on and uh, he had he had a hard he had a hard way to go from from a standpoint of of trying to deal with it because it was a mess. The constitutional um, provision was a mess. They they basically asked the state to come up with a bureaucracy that um, that they weren't really prepared to to create, and so they had to to basically create a bureaucracy bureaucracy for medical marijuana 
um, kind of from scratch on some level. And it was even kind of uh, complicated even more from the fact that there's a federal law against it. And so, yeah. and so you have you have banking issues you have to deal with. You have doctors that don't want to don't want to cooperate necessarily because they're uh, they don't want to prescribe marijuana, which is it's kind fe- of slow federally going on right now, federally it? illegal. And so, so there's there's a lot of stuff to deal with. So, so he was he was tasked as, as one of the people kind of spearheading the the creation of this new medical marijuana bureaucracy, which which he he didn't really want to do, I don't think, but he took on the job, and um. And I, so I, but he had, he had a, he had a, um, a, a job to do and he, and he, he, I think he did it, um, conscientiously. He was following the constitution. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Like he promised to do. God bless you. Representative. And, and so, so I appreciate Doug House yeah. for, for his, um, efforts there. And, um, and I, I think he would have agreed. And I did kind of unfairly put him on the spot, but like you said, you know, he's a big boy. And he, he he's, he's a, he's a big boy. He's not a, he's not afraid of, um, of, of being, um, put on the spot on some level and so i i appreciate doug house me too and in his um and his efforts in some of this and so i just wanted to kind of give a kudos out to him and and because he, he really did get um and he's a traveling man so you know that he's almost surely a man of good character well he's also an attorney so that's uh, but, well there but, you go there's something <laughs> off, slightly offsetting but, but as attorneys go i guess he's he's not a bad guy i uh, gotta be but, one um, of the best but so I, I appreciate doug house and um on uh, on that approach and um and i appreciate him calling in and 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 um and, and I, I offering some questions there and some of his questions were were were, were worthwhile to think about i mean what what do we oh, do yeah. in a situation where this constitution requires like public education for instance yeah. I'm, I'm opposed to the state funding public education um however the state of Arkansas, I, I think the results show that it was a well-intentioned uh, part of the constitution but not one that has translated very easily into reality well and, and, and so i think there there are some solutions that that could um that could mitigate some of the damage the public school is doing mm-hmm. right now so just cutting some of the funding right now public education is grossly overfunded they're just wallowing have, have, in have money. you noticed that of the public schools all over the country when they stack up which ones are doing the best job educationally, which ones are doing the worst job educationally. Mm-hmm. I think the worst public schools were in Washington, D.C., which had the highest per-pupil uh, funding of any school was, system anywhere in the country and the most efficient and effective and successful as far as education. Were not was, the highest funded. It was like in Utah had the lowest per capita. I think it was Utah that, that came out first. So forgive me if I'm wrong. It was Utah and, and I think Utah and South Dakota and a couple other states around there that, Some that, are, that ranked at the very top. And wow. they, had, they had the lowest per, per pupil uh, expenditure resulted in the highest per pupil wow. achievement and the highest per pupil expenditure resulted in the lowest per pupil achievement, which seems to me that when you say cut public school funding, that that may be the way to better education. Well, well, so one, of the, one of the things that make us better as people is hardship. And so, you know, if, if, if I have, I've, I've got a, I've got a shop. That's a cruel or, lesson. Right. Well, so I, I've got a shop. A true or, one. I've got a shop back at home where I, where I build little things. I tinker some and, but I, I you know, I don't have every latest tool out there. I don't, I don't have a um, CNC machine. I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have all these fancy expensive tools that I can build stuff with. So I have to make do sometimes. And so, um, but learning to make do with what I have instead of going out and getting the most expensive, fanciest things out there to do what I want to do it, that may, learning to make do causes me to grow from from a from maturity standpoint and it causes me to learn 
in, in, a, in a more effective way than if I just had the latest technology all the time at, available to me. And, and so I think a lot of times hardship is good for us. And so um, if you if we have if we have to um, if we have to try a little harder, for instance, maybe we've we've got to struggle some. That's good for us, I think, in many respects. And and, and so if if you give children every little thing that, that could possibly make them comfortable, that's not good for them in many respects. And so when you, when we put kids in in you, mansions, do you, think, do you think that's why so many people that worked hard and made successes of themselves and used that success to try and make things easy on their kids so their kids didn't have to face the hardships or the struggles that they did, ended up with having a bunch of snowflake kids that couldn't take care of themselves. Well, and, and I think that's, that's, that's a temptation for a lot of parents is that they, they work hard as young people themselves, <laughs> and, and then they, they make it too easy on their children. And I think that's, that's a temptation that parents have, but I, I, think it's, I think it's good for us to work hard. And, you know, when I was growing up, I, I really didn't have it all that hard. My, my father was a professional, and so he did have us on a little hobby farm, but uh, we didn't have a heart. We didn't ever wonder about whether or not we're going to have enough to eat. We didn't ever have to work. We didn't to to, to make the make sure the family would be able to uh, make ends meet. Um, and and so we had a pretty easy life. I probably worked more than a lot of kids as far as that goes. I, I don't know a little hobby farm. No, you certainly got a work ethic somewhere. But 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 my parents were honorable people. They 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 taught us to be honest and and, and whatnot. But I, I had it pretty easy growing up. But I, I think I would have benefited from from having things a little, a little with a mo- little more resistance, and, that, and that's yeah. that's good for us. I, of course, I'm lazy. I'm glad I didn't have any more resistance. <laughs> here, before we wrap it up here, and we're coming down to the last couple minutes. So, before we wrap it up, I got one last little story. Okay. Because you know we've been talking about among other things, we've been talking about doctors. You know, okay. all this medical marijuana and all those things. Here's a story about four doctors. And we got a lot of duck hunters, too, okay. in Arkansas. I'm sure Dave's got duck hunters out there. Okay, Four docs went duck hunting together. A family practitioner, a gynecologist, a surgeon, and a pathologist. As a bird flew overhead, the family practitioner started to shoot but decided not to because he wasn't absolutely sure if it was a duck. Hmm. The gynecologist also started to shoot but lowered his gun when he realized he didn't know whether it was a male or a female duck. The surgeon, meanwhile, blew the duck away and turned to the pathologist and said, go see if it was a duck. (laughs) All right. We're here in our last minute. I want to thank Dave so much for giving me the opportunity to have this much fun sitting in for him on a Friday afternoon when he couldn't be here. And Dave, God bless you, brother. I know it's going to be a better show when you get back and all your fans do too. And we'll all be listening to you on Monday afternoon. Thanks again for letting Carl Kimball come in. You can always catch me if you need me at Chanel Insurance during the regular weekday trying to earn an honest buck in the capitalist society because that's what we do when we're out working for a living. And thanks to Paul Calvert, yes, sir. Thanks one for- of my favorite capitalists and libertarians. Good to have you with us, yes, Paul. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's been a pleasure sitting in for Dave. Thanks to Zach for being such an outstanding engineer as he always is. He makes this easy. Helps make it fun. Thanks for laughing at some of my jokes, Zach. <laughs> he shakes his head in disbelief. How could you bring that stuff in here? Okay. Plato and a platypus walk into a bar, understanding philosophy through jokes. It beats working for a living, huh? Thank you. Next time.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.